Welcome to the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial, Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Quack 12 Podcast or visit our website, quack12podcast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on your listening device. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit the Quack 12 Patreon page, where for a measly $5 a month, you can become an official quacky and unlock hundreds of hours of Oregon Duck content. On to the show. Quack. Quack, quack, quack. Oh my goodness, listeners. This is it. This is the final of our opponent's roster reviews. And this is a big one. This is the one that's gotten so much attention, so much more attention than this team is used to getting. And I think it's only a good thing. The sto- the, the off-season storylines have been fantastic. So much so that there's actually been little talk of like what this team is planning on doing. It's more of just like <laughs> how the coach got there, uh, all the shenanigans going on, um, th- this big shift in, in player and personnel, which um, is kind of getting blown out of proportion a little bit, but also uh, is a big old thing, is a big drastic move that should be talked about. Colorado Buffaloes are making big splashes, as big of a splash as Ralphie jumping into a lake. And for that, we had to get two experts. One of those is someone who's watching so much Pac-12 film that I worry for him. Uh, that is Hithliday <laughs> over at Addicted to Quack. How you doing, Hithliday? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I didn't have to watch, you know the Cal offense for hours and and so I I think I'm doing pretty well um and then we also got uh, oh my goodness uh this man has been on this podcast so often we love him every time he comes on he's done very goofy stuff with us like duck D&D he's also helped us break down this Colorado roster in some seasons where I imagine it's been pretty tough to talk about the talent on this team this season though I mean, it seems like all the attention is on y'all, and it has been pretty fun. Jack Barsh of the Ralphie Report. How you doing, Jack? Um, you know, if you're not watching the Cal offense, was bad. Uh, I watched CU's for 12, 12 games last year, so uh, <laughs> uh, better now. Um, and, yeah, in, in the intervening 12 months since last time we were on Hot Mics or whatever it was, it's been fun to have the center of the college football universe be in Boulder, Colorado for probably the first and last time ever. Um, <laughs> and uh, that comes with a lot of stuff, good and bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It's been busy, exciting, and I'm, I'm happy to spread the good word to those who need it. I'm happy to be I- back. I would imagine as someone who's, you know, writing articles, writing headlines for a website, yeah. the, the wonderful Ralphie Report, which y'all got to get over there, but um, mm-hmm. follow them on Twitter as well, at Ralphie Report. But I would imagine it's kind of nice where you just write some, you know, you get Dion's name in the title or, or you go on Twitter yep. and you say, hey, are we going to win two games or 10 games? <laughs> and just boom, the Internet is there ready to chat. I mean, that must be a, a pretty nice um, change of pace, I imagine. Uh, it is, it, it, it was at least exceedingly easy to get page views, um, for a while. Like you said, you, you just got to say Deion Sanders had to recruit and you know, maybe it's a, uh, Juco offensive lineman from brother community college. doesn't matter. You put his, he puts his face on there and you're good to go. Um, yeah, it was, 
fun then. Um, it's it's still super fun, but people like us who actually want to look at the football team being assembled, uh, <laughs> it was it was a tsunami of of changes. And you know, I'm I'm happy to say why I think 99% of that is good, but it is a lot to try to keep up with, especially if. Like I'm sure Hitho Day is, you're trying to watch film on everyone coming in and actually try to figure out what they're going to do. Um, that becomes hard. <laughs> so it was a blast. But um, after a certain point, you're like, oh, great. Okay, the 40th new player this week. Okay. So much huddle. So much huddle. <laughs> yeah, we, we could have two episodes here, really. The team that left Colorado and the team that came into Colorado. But, um, yeah, I think we should just jump right into this roster. Uh, Hitho Day, uh, get us going here, please. Well, let's start with the new staff because it's yes. all new. Uh, they didn't retain anybody from the previous yep. staff, um, including, sadly, uh, Darian Hagen, who had survived several uh, staff changes. He, uh, he is retained, actually. Oh, is um, he? he? He is in an off-field, essentially, fundraiser role, ambassador role. Yep. Oh, that's cool. He will not ever leave Boulder. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I was hoping he'd be, he'd, uh, be a coach for life in some capacity, you know, the former national champ, uh, he'd been yeah. the running back coach for a long time through like multiple staff changes, you know, yeah. what a stud. and I, I think they did something similar where, you know, from Jackson state, uh, where Dean Sanders brought, like, I think most of the staff, like he brought the, the running backs coach, the wide receivers coach, the tight ends coach, um, the linebackers coach and the cornerbacks coach. He also brought their defense coordinator but he's not going to be the defensive coordinator but he is going to be like on staff as i think like a quality control guy or something like that yep, yep. on offense the, the but there are going to be new offensive and defensive coordinators um on offense the new coordinator is going to be sean lewis um from uh who's had a sort of an interesting career and on defense it's going to be charles kelly who's also had an interesting career sean lewis brought with him bill o'boyle who was his offensive line coach at uh, kent state and uh, charles kelly brought well, I don't, he, he brought Sal Sanceri with him, who's the uh, defensive tackles coach. Um, he had been most recently working at Florida State. I think there's a connection there. If I got all that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Sanceri was uh, Bama's outside linebackers coach with Kelly right. for a few years. So from 2019 to 2021. And then basically did the Nick Saban Alabama move where uh, he was still paid and did a lot of recruiting on campus. But Someone else was the defensive, the outside linebackers coach, and then wanted to get back on the field, which is why he went to, to Colorado. Yep. So on offense, we'll talk about the defense in a little bit. Um, on offense, Sean Lewis is um, kind of interesting because, like, he's been a play caller, I believe, you know, for the last eight years. The last five of them, he was the head coach at Kent State. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, you know, the basic way that I just, you know, check out how good of a play caller you are is I pull up your 247 team talent composite rating. And you're, and then that same year, <laughs> you're, you know, what your F plus, you know, offensive or defensive rating was. And I'm like, okay, were you better the same or worse, you know, and, uh, you know, the good news for Sean Lewis is that he's never worse, you know, like he, he, he always performs either at or above the, the sort of bad news is that like, yeah, at Kent State, he was always on the floor. Like for five years at Kent State, it was like the worst talent in the country. And so yeah. it's like, well, of course he was better. You know, um, right? You know, he's just like mildly competent. Um, you know, he, you know, so he like for three of those. So for the first year, it was also really bad. You know, but like you know, that's sort of standard. Um, th for three of the five years, it was like. 
you know, it, it was an offense that was like in the sixties or so, which like, given that he had like the worst talent in America is like, okay, you know, well, not bad. Um, and then 2020 is really funny. He, he winds up with like the 11th ranked offense in America with like the worst talent in America. So it's like, Oh wow. But then you dive a little deeper and you're like, Oh, that was the COVID year in which yep. he goes like three and one, you know, the loss is he gets slaughtered by Buffalo, which was really good that year. And then like the three, you know, the three wins are against like Mac teams that went three and 14 against other bad Mac teams, you know? So it's like, okay. All right. Probably weren't really the number eleven offense. That's probably just the sample size problem. But anyway, like you know, he was the the coordinator at Syracuse for two years, in which he had mediocre talent and produced mediocre offenses. And then the really weird one was that he was the coordinator for a year at Bowling Green back in 2015, where he had mediocre talent and produced the number twelve offense. But the, here's the thing. I've never been able to find any film from that year, like not a single second of film. I don't have anything in front of my library. There's nothing on YouTube, yeah. none of my back channels. It's just like there's this like he scrubbed the Internet of all of this. <laughs> like it's a secret. Like no one has been able to find any film on Sean Lewis in 2015. Like, it, you know, I, I found the Kent State stuff and the Syracuse stuff. And to me, it just sort of looks I'm, I'm get, finally going to get to a question for you, I promise, which is. <laughs> To me, this really just looks like a vertically oriented spread uh, offense that just goes super up tempo in which they run maybe like six to 10 total plays. Like I really like when I was watching Syracuse and Kent State, I counted and I counted maybe 10 plays total. They're just running them really, really fast. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, I, I didn't. I, I didn't see anything really any more going on there. Do you think I'm being unfair to him in, 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 in saying that? So, yeah, I will, um, I guess, take a similarly securitous route to the answer. Um, yeah, so, no, I think you're unfair. Um, Sean Lewis is a Dino Babers disciple, right? Yeah. So, um, Bowling Green 2015 was Dino Babers' breakout right. year. Um, quarterback that year, I actually remember watching live. Matt Johnson was incredible. Um, and uh, then they move that that dog and pony show to Syracuse for two years, and then Sean Lewis gets his gig. Um, and Dino Babers runs a version, whatever you want to call that, um, spread veer, whatever, of the disgraced coach, our Bryles offense, right? Right. Spread them out, very small plays, all kind of wide receiver option, check to the line, um, and then try to run as much as you can. Um, so... I think that you're not unfair. I think 90% of what makes this offense work is its tempo and a quarterback. So, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think he's trying to out-scheme anyone with the plays. But when you have a quarterback that can do it, um, it really, really works. And then, like last year for Kent State, if you have quarterback issues, if you have quarterback injuries, it gets really yeah. hard. So, yeah, I, I, I am shocked. I guess I should say this whole – the fact that all of this is happening in Colorado is already shocking to me. Yeah. Well, given the sort of the bizarreness of the offensive coordinator situation and the fact that they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do for like, what was, it's been like four straight years where they couldn't figure out whether they, what they wanted to do or what the hell Shiv, you know, you yeah. know, who couldn't find an offense with two hands and a flashlight. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Somebody who has like a coherent, uh, uh, you know, concept of an offensive identity, you know, even though I sort of have my like, oh, a spread up tempo offense in the Pac-12, I'm sure all the Pac-12 offenses or 
defenses <laughs> who have to deal with that literally every single week, you know, or shaking in their boots when some, you know, right. But like, uh, yeah, fair, it doesn't mean they can stop it. Well, <laughs> they see it all the time. <laughs> but like, um, I mean, having an identity, Hey, what a change of pace for Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I guess mid November, um, I would say if a short list of, of Colorado head coaching candidates included Sean Lewis, I wouldn't be upset. You mean when Sanders inevitably goes to Auburn? Well, no, I, I meant like last November, but sure, that one too. When when Hugh Freeze, I you know call call me crazy, but he might be breaking the rules at some point down there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's so like suggesting? they took away his know. phone. He'll be good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have Darius Slander, the young man. I need to email compliance at Ole Miss. Um, and that's a throwback to Twitter in 2014. I apologize. When you specifically um, said to do that? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would be fine with Sean Lewis as a head coaching candidate before Deion Sanders was on the table, right? Um, and, and now that he was plucked as a sitting head coach to be an offensive coordinator for CU, tells me a lot about, uh, uh, I guess, a uh, how quickly everything's changed and we can dig into like we should dig into his offense a little bit more but you know i think he does have a degree of pedigree uh people will point to and i don't know how much you take away from this i certainly discount this a little bit but people will point to his performances against georgia recently with the kent state talent as uh proof positive that he's doing something right but um enough tempo spread off in the pac-12 without anything new I do think, like you said, the fact that there is a cohesive identity in Boulder is partially new past the identity of give it to LaVisca Chanel 20 times, right? So, yeah, I don't know. It's exciting. I don't think it's a crazy offense, really simple offense, but with the right quarterback, tempo at altitude should do some do some good things. Well, the one thing that I did think was really interesting in, and is that – Sanders didn't bring the Jackson State, you know, offense to Colorado because it was different. Like if you go and watch Jackson State's film for the last two years, it's yeah. a much more short pass oriented. What it really reminded me of more than anything else was uh, Arizona State the uh, the previous couple of years uh, with Jaden Daniels, where it's just like nothing but screen passes and, and passes within like five yards of the line of scrimmage. And yeah. like that's not what Sean Lewis's offense at, at Kent State or Syracuse looks like at all. Like it, it's like you said, is Dino Babers, Art Bryles, you know, you know, four verbs, you know, yep. Uh, yep. Go, go deep all the time. And I actually like, you know, sort of transitioning to the, to the personnel stuff, you know, sure. Sanders looked pretty good in the spring game. He, and he, you know, looks pretty good. He has a very high completion percentage, a very high, you know, passer rating, uh, you know, at Jackson state. I do wonder about the deep ball and I do wonder about, you know, what's up with this, you know, switching to Sean Lewis, you know, in a vertical yeah. oriented passing game, like how is that transition going to work? Like, it's like, I'm not I'm not really doubting Shadur Sanders and like there's a lot that gets made of like FCS quarterbacks who make the transition to the FBS hell we just saw one you know with with Cam Ward you know Washington Moore, State, yep. you know not go that well I tend to think that those you know that's too easy of a question <laughs> I think the harder question to answer is like what happens when a short passing game quarterback goes to a long passing game because like those things sometimes yeah don't necessarily go well and we don't have a whole lot of data from the spring game on that question do you got a feel for that one or has there been a lot of discussion about that question uh, um, the wood jacks yes so um and you're right i think shadur sanders well we can talk about a lot of stuff about shadur sanders and obviously he's had a spotlight on him for a long time but i do think the main question or the main drawback of his game would be arm strength which is interesting because like you said 
the the Sean Lewis offense is a lot of long passes. I will say the offensive coordinator last year at Jackson State, Brett Bartalone, is the wide receivers coach at CU this year. So right. I don't think that they are trying to meld the schemes together like that. But he did he did come with Shador and and uh, Deion Sanders to Boulder, and they might be you know Sean Lewis has, has talked a lot about how. He doesn't. His his job is to fit the system to the players, and he thinks Shadur Sanders is a great quarterback. Spring game, hard to get anything from that. I was there. It was very snowy and gross. Hmm. They weren't going to try a lot of deep balls, anyways, because of that. I do think Shadur Sanders is good at anticipatory throws and can get it out on the boundary, but full chuck it mode. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of a lot of that, especially this year. It, um, it was nice yeah. to see Sanders. You know, he said anticipatory throws, and I, like I kind of laughed because you know we watched last year a bunch of JT Shroud where he was like he has such a rifle that he's like he just sort of throws it exactly where you are, you know. And Sanders is like, why don't I throw it where you're gonna be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it was. I'm telling you, man, it has been a long walk in the desert, and um, it was fun to feel like Moses for a second, and be like, "Oh my God, a quarterback that uh, can do play quarterback? That's great. That's super <laughs> yeah. fun." Um, but it more much like you said, Cam Ward is is going not so well. But I, I actually think if Shadur Sanders makes a Cam Ward like jump this year, that that'll be just fine for CU. I think it's a huge step up in terms of quarterbacking play. And Cam Ward made a lot of mistakes last year, but I do also think he was, he made some plays for Washington State. And, you know, what would you put him like third quartile of conference quarterbacks in that seven, eight, nine range for, for the Pac 12? Mm. Mm, no. Tough. I, I would probably put him in the fourth quartile. Um, I, he was really? really okay. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't think that that's, I think Shadur Sanders is a different type of quarterback than Cam Ward. Oh and yes, I, I, definitely. Uh, I mean, I I mean, for one thing, Kim Ward's throwing mechanics are terrible, and Shadur Sanders are not. I mean, that's the primary. Difference. <laughs> and Hitz said this to Jeff Newser, our Washington State interview too. So do I don't well, they, they, they watched him. They, yeah, they know. <laughs> yeah, um, they know. <laughs> uh, but and the other thing, I think that uh, the thing that worries me the most about this year as a whole, I guess, frankly, is is I think. Um, Sean Lewis's offense at its best, if you look at someone like Colin Schley, who's at UCLA now, the old quarterback they had, Dustin Crum, is there's, there's quarterback runs. There's going to be a decent amount of yeah. quarterback runs. And Shadur Sanders can run. He's, he had a decent amount of rushing touchdowns at Jackson State, but he's not a runner. Yeah. And it also requires durability. Like, Dustin Crum is an absolute freak in terms of durability. And they, of course, at Syracuse, which John Lewis is there. was too. I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote up my whole. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jack, but like oh, I studied good. a bunch of Schley stuff too because, like, my prediction for UCLA is actually Dante Moore is going to get pulled in favor of Schley because Kelly doesn't know how to run a, a pocket passer playbook that's going to take advantage of Moore, and that yeah. I actually think that Schley is going to finish out the year for UCLA. And so I wound up studying Schley's film, and you're 100 percent right. Schley is also built like a tank and Lewis wants to run his quarterback. So yeah, I was just, yeah, I, I was being your hype man there. I a hundred percent agree with you. Well, and, and the, the proto Babers Lewis quarterback, it, it was, was nicknamed grungy Eric Dungy at Syracuse because of how many hits he took. Right. So um, there is, that there is going to be a decent amount of hits um, on Shador Sanders. That's not really anything that he's had to deal with that much. Jackson state's offensive line wasn't great. So he did have to scramble a lot, but that also, is F- I, I think he was pretty clearly not an FCS-level quarterback, um, and he was playing against FCS teams yeah. and not even a great FCS league. So 
Um, he also got to do a lot of things that he will not get to do in the Pac-12. That being said, they will protect as much as possible, like you said, with quick outs, quick screens, as much as you can do any of that. Um, but I, he will I have 100% to take believe that. Like, I mean, I, I 100% believe that Sean Lewis, you know, is going to want to get the ball out of his hand ASAP. I 100% believe that they are going to try to do, you know, whatever is possible in order to protect um, the coach's son. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I think that's probably going to be at a premium. Uh, you know, I, I think the health of all the Sanders is probably in a lot of people's, you know, minds, you know, right now, you know, he, uh, I, I've read about the blood clotting issue that he's going through right now, which is like really, really scary. I, I hope that everything is okay with him. And, and emergency, I think he had quote unquote emergency surgery today, which thank you for saying that. Um, and, and that's a little bit, uh sensationalist with what's happening it sounds like this is a kind of a surgery for the next surgery on his further foot stuff so um yeah that foot stuff is is crazy and if you've watched the videos it's it's a lot of work he has to do to walk yeah um mm. which is no, never good um and clots are never never fun but um it I, you know it, it this was not life-threatening it sounds like yeah so, but i mean it. it's like you know family history of blood clotting is like yikes um yep because yep. like there's yeah i mean it's just scary but anyway back to the quarterback the, the like you know the other reason is because i mean like listen i'm just going to stipulate normally in these podcasts i go through everybody who's left everybody's left we're just going to stipulate everybody from the old um, uh, uh you know with the exception of a couple of guys like i will note it when a guy has returned so there are literally 10 players remaining yeah you want I know. An number there are 10 players remaining. i mean i think there's three guys who are still like technically on scholarship who are like university of colorado students but who aren't with the team Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so like when you have a guy like you know Shadur Sanders who's who's in the room, like of course all the quarterbacks transferred out, including like one of the guys who stuck around for the spring game, you know, then transferred out, Drew Carter. So like it, you know everybody, there's two freshmen and a walk on who are in the room, like you know, and, and I I suppose that Ryan Staub, you know, for because he's the only one other one who's on scholarship um, would be the backup, but you know, he's a mid three star true freshman, you know, they're, yep. they don't want to put him in. Like, I really, really doubt they're going to be like, Oh, this is fine. We'll just put him in. Um, yep. so, so like, yeah, you know, absolutely not. Are, are they going to do anything that risks, you know, Sanders health in any way? So like ball's going to be out of his hand immediately. They're probably not going to do, you know, anything but the safest of running plays. And they're probably going to tell him like, quit scrambling, go down. Down, uh, yep. you know, is my is, is sort of my 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 thought on that question. Do you agree? Yeah, quarterback room is definitely, in my opinion, the weakest room on this team now. Um, especially when you look past Shadur Sanders, like you said, it, <laughs> CU fans unfortunately are intimately, intimately familiar. It is very hard to gain and keep quarterback depth when the quarterback happens to be the head coach's son. Um, we saw a lot of damage done by Cody Hawkins starting for four years at Colorado in the late 2000s, right? So mm. um, just hard. And uh, Ryan Staub, early enrollee, for all accounts, looks pretty good and looks to be a pretty in Sean Lewis's wheelhouse. Um, the other freshman that just came in, Kaysen Wiseman, is definitely in Sean Lewis's wheelhouse. So um, he is a pure runner. He's a gutty guy. But he's he not on campus yet, right? Like he's just gone on campus like last week. Yep. So. Um, Yes, he's not. He has not had the spring to learn. Um, and then they, like you said, two, two Duco walk-ons that you do not want to go to. Um, this room gets very scary if Shadur Sanders has to miss a series, let alone a game, let alone part of the season. So um, 
he yeah no hits please i mean i would would it be safe to call this the nepo fence uh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I'll be quiet. You know, his, he, his brother, <laughs> his brother might be starting on defense, so you know, might be Ooh. the whole Nippo team. Um, <laughs> the uh, I uh, last question about quarterbacks. Uh, he started last year, which was twenty twenty, or he started in twenty twenty one as a true freshman. Yep. Which means like he's he's draft eligible at the end of this year. Do you think he goes into the draft if he has a uh, year? Oh God, I hope so. If CU has a year where Kedora Sanders can go into the draft, that is fantastic news. The last time CU had a quarterback with any sort of draft anything is Steven Montez, who's still kicking around professional football, so shout out. But um, I think that would, lead, that would mean it was a relatively successful year for CU. Um, and it's, I'd be fine if he, if, he, if he makes that move. But I don't think that I just, is a real chance. Go ahead. What do you mean? I'm just asking that question because I think it affects the way that you calculate playing time. You know, yeah. if you know that you're losing your starting quarterback at the end of the year. I he- don't think he will get the grades he want if he tries to leave this year. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of mitigating factors for that. Maybe I'm, and maybe this is me saying I want him back for what looks to be an incredible 2024 season if he does come back. Um, but you I think because I the think- roster will have stabilized for 2023. Uh, I guess, you know, barring uh, another uh, Coach Prime exit or a Mel Tucker exit, um, mm-hmm. y- yes, I, I do, and, and the schedule opened up a little bit more. But if Shadur Sanders is good enough to get legitimate, and I would call that second day, day two grades, that might be enough for him to go. I don't know if he would do that, especially because, and, and I guess I don't have a huge, I'm not a huge NFL guy, I don't have to read on this. But I'm thinking that this year's quarterbacks class is loaded, right? I, maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but it just feels like with Caleb Williams going out there, Jaden Daniels will be a prospect, Michael Penix will be a prospect, Bo Nix, who I'm assuming, will be a prospect. Like, And that's just in the Pac-12, generally. So um, I'm feeling like this is a pretty loaded QB year. It might be best served for him to wait it out. And the other thing is, like, he's making a decent amount of money now. Um, and obviously he's not coming from a family where – he had to, to struggle for anything, so I think he can afford to wait if he wants or okay. needs to. Uh, running backs. Yep. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, so uh, bringing back uh, Anthony Hankerson, who's on scholarship, hey. Charlie Offerdahl, who is uh, still a walk-on, but you think is probably due for getting a scholarship? Yes, Deion Sanders fell in love with with Charlie Offerdahl, who he calls porn stash. Yes. Uh, and he will be, well, I didn't, he, <laughs> he calls him porn stash. You should, you, if you, if you watch any of the, uh, <laughs> the, the relevant videos, you, you, it's obvious why, uh, the man's got a 75. I don't know with, with Dion's, uh, religious Ben, I would think having a porn stash would be enough to get you off the table. <laughs> well, it must be good. Uh, and, and, and an good. obvious disdain for, uh, the people who lost 11 games last year. And yet Charlie offered all persists <laughs> and he, and he is a hard worker. Um, and, and I think they, he, I don't know. We could talk about Deion Sanders at the end in, in more mercurial terms, <laughs> but he does generally like people who show up every day and, and fight for stuff. And that's definitely Charlie Offred. I think he will be a scholarship player by the time the year kicks off. I got my uh, hot little hands on the student papers um, 
you know, their printout that they were handing out to fans for, uh, you know, what everybody's numbers were going to be for the guys who were available in the spring game, which um, getting people's jersey numbers for Colorado has been a challenge. Charlie Offerdahl (laughs) was uh, listed as being available for the spring game, but I did not see him playing. Do you know what that was, what the score was there? Um, the whole, I mean, spring game, it was already going to be kind of a sideshow circus and it became more than that when, when the snow went out there, I, he might've been tweaked. They wanted to definitely show off. Well, okay. So we're going to get into conspiracy theory time here. So I apologize, Mm. but in my mind, there was a, there was a group of people they knew were going to leave after the spring game. Oh no, that's and, absolutely clear. It, once you once you figured okay. out that it was the ones playing the twos and the twos playing the ones, the it, it, and then the guys who left, you know, because I didn't watch the spring game until after that wave of departures. Yeah. Like it became, and then you know, I had my whole list constructed, and then I went and watched the spring game. It was like, oh, this is all very clear. They knew exactly who was leaving. Except for then there were a few extra guys who left that I don't think they were expecting. And then you can sort of like, you know, reverse engineer that. But like, yeah, no, I, I think that, yes, you're 100% right about that. You know, if you're looking at someone like Deion Smith getting a lot of carries that game and then ends up transferring to BYU and Montana Lamoni's Craig getting a lot of catches that game and ends up transferring. Yeah, yeah they were Arizona. doing those guys favors so that they could get some film. Uh, yeah, I think the people that they liked from last year's team that they knew weren't in their future plans got a lot of that. And I know Charlie Offerdahl is in their future plans. So um, I felt like that was less of a priority for them. And also, you know, might have been hurt, might have not wanted to run in the snow, might have wanted to see what Hank could do yeah. out there. I don't know. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I was just, there's a couple of guys, we're going to talk about a couple of guys later who I've, I'm actually thinking weren't, uh, or, or maybe not actually with the team anymore. I don't really think that's true of Charlie Offerdahl. I was just wondering about his health, uh, whether, mm-hmm. you know, you had heard something or, you know, or there's other guys who I, I'm pretty sure were just being held out for health reasons, like Jimmy Horn, the wide receiver. Yes, that was, yep. You know, so like, yeah, there, I mean, there's, we're just going to run across a couple of guys who are like not playing in the spring game. And I think there's a variety of reasons why. So I'm just going to be checking in as we go along. Okay. So the, there's four new guys. There's the true freshman, Dylan Edwards, um, yep. who's a, a, a four star. There's three transfers. The transfers are interesting because the first one they got, I think is the least exciting. And that's Kavosi smoke, um, from Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, who's been like basically a backup his entire career. He, he's gotten like, over the time that he's been at Kentucky, he's been passed up by three different running backs who came in who were younger than him. One of whom was like a running quarterback who, because Terry Wilson got hurt in 2019. Lynn uh, Yeah, former Oregon quarterback Terry Wilson. But but and, and but then the two guys that they got after Smoke c- committed to them are way more exciting than him. But then what are you going to do? Like tell Smoke to pound sand, you know? Like uh, and those guys are uh, Alton McCaskill um, from Houston, uh, yeah. who's like a thousand yard rusher in 2021, but then tore his ACL in 2022, and then Sivian Wilkerson, who is. He spent his first two years at Delta State and then he transferred over to Jackson State and he was like their number one rusher at Jackson State. And so he, you know, he came over uh, as well. Um, so and he was like a thousand yard rusher for Jackson State, you know, last year. Now, you know, both of those guys have a bit of a question mark next to him. You know, one of them's the, doing the FCS to FBS thing and the other guy's coming off of an ACL tear. I know, but both of them are like exciting thousand yard rushers. Um, and Smoke is, like I said, a career backup going to his sixth year 
year, you know, as a running back with sort of a miles on the tire, pro, you know, you know, issue. Uh, I see the room as sort of a three-way battle for who's going to be the super stud uh, with, you know, McCaskill, Wilkerson, and Edwards um, with, you know, Hankerson, Offerdahl, and Smoke as your like, well, you know, break class in case of emergency, you know, guys. Uh, what do you think about that take, Jack? Okay. I think in terms of playing time, you've probably hit on the top three that are playing. There's some speculation that Wilkerson might have to redshirt this year or is ineligible to play this year. I don't know why that would be the case, but hmm. I've heard that mentioned. But I think in terms of playing time, you're probably correct. I think that Cavosier Smoke will definitely hit the the field more than you think hmm. next year. Um, and I, I, I guess I personally love how this running back room is constructed just in terms of roles. Uh, and, and that's part of it. So if you're looking for like an every down workhorse guy, that will be ultimate Catskill. So at least that's how they have him slated. And then um, I think we saw Dylan Edwards definitely in the spring game. He, like you said, four-star was a Notre Dame commit. Um, before that was a Kansas State It's just commit. that he's small right now. He's like 165 pounds. And, and I'm not sure he's ready to be an every down back as a true freshman. But like he could be an exciting change of pace guy, you know? Yeah, and, he, and he's also been taking a decent amount of slot snaps. So I think we'll see him potentially in the slot if, if to get him out there. But they definitely don't want to sit him down as much as possible because he is very fast. And then Kavosia Smoke, I think, is your much more traditional third down back. I would put him – I'm trying to think of a, a good – fit in the NFL, but he's, I think his best trait is probably pass protection, which is pretty important from time to time. Hmm. He has some juke to him. He's kind of, you know, he's five, nine, but he's two ten, So he has some size. And I, I think you'll see him a lot on third downs to be that leak guy. And you're right. He got passed over by, I, I guess I would consider pretty good running backs at, at Kentucky, Benny Rodriguez, Benny Snell, not Benny Rodriguez. I forgot his first Christopher name, Rodriguez, Chris Rodriguez, Benny Snell, and I forgot who is. Yes, thank you. Who's also very good. But I don't think he's necessarily a bad player. Um, definitely if you're looking at what purports to be the third on the depth chart for a running back, that's that's CU's best third option in a long time. And I think he's he's going to be there as a last year guy who's done a lot of um, you know, played a lot of snaps and will be able to chip block, will be able to get like third and three, third and two, something like that. I think that's how they're looking at him. And then Wilkerson, if he does play, definitely more in between the tackles. I personally love how Wilkerson runs. Um, I watched a decent amount of Jackson State last year. Um, and he, he's not Philip Lindsay, but he has the same running style of he's smaller, but it just feels like it's manic when he's trying to get yards. It feels like he he's going to die if he doesn't get that extra two yards, you know? And I always love running backs that kind of look like that. And and he, he has those, those small, short agility moves that I think let him get some of that extra stuff in the middle of the field but still limited athletically and, and is not the, the home run threat that McCaskill Edwards is. That's interesting. I, I'm definitely uh, going to be interested to watch. Well, first of all, to see if Wilkerson is actually going to be available this year. Um, and second of all, just how that, that plays out. You know, I um, it's interesting. I've been watching a lot of SEC film uh, uh, lately because, uh, you know, Oregon's taken some SEC transfers as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, and also some coaching, um, 
uh, coaches have come in, you know, so I've been doing SEC projects, but bizarrely, I have not seen that much um, Kentucky film. So I, I, I just as just weirdly how uh, it, that's played out. Um, so I haven't seen much of Smoke's film. It may be interesting to, um, to see how that guy uh, plays out. I had sort of him written off. So that's interesting that you have a different take. Um, it's just that I didn't get to see any of the new portal guys, McCaskill, Smoke or Wilkerson, because they weren't available in the spring game. The only guy that I got to see at all, you know, was Edwards, yeah. who was the true freshman. So like, yeah, well, I mean, we're just gonna have to keep our eye on that. Yeah. One. I mean, he, so he had five years at Kentucky. Um, his, his most heavy usage year was 2019 and also his best year um, yeah. before some of his injuries. And that was his, his technical redshirt freshman year. Um, but that was you know, the weird year because Wilson got hurt, so it was like yeah. an entirely rushing offense. Yes, yes, it was. He had he had two catches that year, but you know he he has over a thousand yards on the ground at, at an SEC school. That's not huge. It's not great over five years, of course. But you know Deion Sanders has a what he calls a 40-40-20 rule for turning over a roster, where he go he tries to go for forty percent transfers, forty percent grad transfers, twenty percent high school. And I think you're seeing that in this running back room play out, right? So McCaskill's a normal transfer. Wilkerson's technically a grad transfer. There is two years left, as is Smoke. And then Dylan Edwards is a high school guy. And, you know, I would be remiss if we, if, after, before we move on if I didn't mention how much I love – I've never heard of him before, but how much I love Alton McCaskill and how he runs. I, you know, I love those Clydesdale backs that just glide and – uh that's him. And, I, you know, it's just fun to watch. From all intents, it sounds like at, at Houston, he was full contact practicing the screen, spring before he transferred. There was a decent amount of uh, tampering allegations from Houston fans, <laughs> which, you know, uh, the, the classic quote, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying in the transfer portal. Um, but exactly, I, I, love, I love watching him run. Uh, it sounds like he was better than he was as a freshman in 2021, and he was very good as a freshman. So, you know, I guess, fun fact, he had 18 touchdowns as a freshman, which I believe uh, is just below what CU as a team had all of last year. So, um, you know, I love I love McCaskill. You know, it's uh, the, the nice thing about the room more than anything else is that it, it's deep with options, you know. And like, even though, you know, frankly, I've got a question mark next to each of these guys' names in one way or another, right? Like McCaskill coming off the ACL, Wilkerson, because, you know, uh, this eligibility and the FCS thing, you know, yeah. Smoke, because like, maybe he's just a jag, you know, Edwards, he's a true freshman, you know, it's, et cetera. Like there's the odds that every one of those question marks, you know, is answered with a no. And so therefore like, uh, oh, we don't have any running backs like is like astronomical. Like that's not going to happen. And even if it were like Hankerson is a fine back. And so is that, you know, offered all. So like, you know, there is no way there's no way that the running back room is the bottleneck. Like the running back room is at worst going to be just fine. And at best, like there are some really exciting, you know, guys, you know, of high potential here. So like, yeah, um, I, w I would say at best, which, you know, we are recording this in late June. So why not go for best case? Um, I, and you, you, you know, you might call me crazy for this. Like I said, I've been indoctrinated into the, uh, the CU, prime stuff for the last eight months, but I do think that this running back room immediately goes to definitely top half of the Pac-12, and I struggle, other than Oregon, to look at another running back room, if everything goes right, that has the same versatility and talent that, mm -hmm. that CU has. 
Um, I think UCLA is really solid always, and Carson Steele is awesome. I love Carson Steele, but I don't know. I I feel like if all goes right, it's a really interesting collection of talent. Uh, Arizona might give Arizona is very reliable room, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting set of comparisons. I'm gonna have to run that down. Tight ends. Um, pass, pass. Yeah, I sort of think. <laughs> I sort of think, well, sort of reading the tea leaves here, I sort of think tight ends aren't a thing um, in this offense at this point. Like they, well, let me ask you a, a housekeeping question first. Like, is Caleb Fortia still on the team? Yes. Are you sure? As sure as one can be in this current iteration of um, CU football. So his his number 18, they gave to Seydoux Traore in the spring yes. game who then transferred out because apparently he wasn't happy with his playing time or the fact that Tim Brewster asked him to block. Like, who knew that t- tight ends <laughs> had to block? Um, uh, you know, and that's an interesting. I was so excited for Seydoux Traore uh, and still think he would have been awesome to have in this offense. Um, and immediately after he was in the transfer portal again, I saw Oregon took a look at him and Louisville took a look at him. And I don't know where that ended up, but well, no one sounds- wants to, he, because he transferred in. He now he blew his NCAA eligibility for immediate playing time this year. So everybody's going to just pass on him until, uh, you know, he's not going to oh, he's really? not eligible to play until 2024. Yeah, that's why oh, nobody's okay. picking up because I think Colorado's had four of these guys who transferred in and then transferred out. They're not eligible to play until 2024. So everybody's going to wait and assess their needs for 2024 okay yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't read uh into the fact that nobody's immediately pouncing on these guys that oh they all suck no it's because everybody's waiting to assess their needs i don't i know and i don't think triori i think triori is very good um but i do also think that he wants to he basically wants to play wide receiver and that has to be the right offensive fit and to what you're about to ask john lewis never really never had a tight end (laughs) Mm. um that that catches passes and that's exactly what Triori would have been. So, um, I like, I, for instance, I would love if Triori goes to Louisville. I think he would be a potential All-American if he went to Louisville because I do think Jeff Brown would figure out how to, how to do that. Um, I don't think that's this is off, that that's this offense. I think the tight end is, is going to be a blocker. Yeah, I think I, I think so too. I, I it, which is actually kind of weird. I, I I sort of it was weird in the spring game that I was seeing, you know, eleven personnel, and then basically the tight end was almost never getting targeted for passes. I was like, dude, why don't you just do the Art Bryles thing and go for a wide? You know, uh, yeah. and maybe the answer to that question is that uh, you know we're about to talk about the wide receivers, but they barely had any wide receivers on campus, um, yep. and that's why I'm sort of like I sort of don't think the tight ends are a thing in this offense because like uh, honestly I'm not really sure that Fourier is on the team because like I don't think I saw him in the spring game I don't think his jersey like I they gave his jersey number away um you know they're I know they're rolling with Passarello and I think that's probably the guy that we'll we'll see to the extent that we see a guy on the field but I also think we'll we'll see you know here's the other confusing thing about jersey numbers Elijah Yelverton the um the you know he's an Iowa guy but he's also a walk-on um so I actually think that's who we're going to see the most of by the time the season kicks off. That's that's my hot take. But yes, he is. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, that's weird because his uh, assigned jersey number, this was like I stared at my little printout for a while. His jersey number in the spring game was 83. But then, you know, who else was wearing 83 was Michael Harrison, who's a walk-on wide receiver. They had yep. playing X receiver with the second team. And so because Yelverton was also in the second team, they couldn't have him on the field at the same time. So they had to keep <laughs> r- switching those guys out. Like, it was so dumb. It was like, why didn't you just have them wear <laughs> different jerseys, you idiots? Like... 
Um, <laughs> which is why I sort of like, I don't think tight ends or the other guy that I kept seeing was champion Johnson. Who's their walk on fullback who came yep. in from Cal, right. Who's the little brother of victory or the yes. older brother, excuse me, of victory Johnson. I love like, that naming convention. Speaking of, the of family. porn stashes, like how did you name <laughs> all of your kids porn names? Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> victory victory Johnson. and champion johnson yes <laughs> yeah exactly like they're given <laughs> names or porn names like uh anyway that like yeah i man i don't think tight ends are a thing in this offense i think they have blockers to help out with what's probably going to be crappy offensive line i mean not crappy human beings i just don't think it's going to be very good uh and huh, okay. and it's going to be yeah i just really don't believe in this offense we're going to talk about them in a little bit i'm sorry jack i just don't like like i, I know you want to believe in them but i don't uh and, and but like i think it's going to be 11 personnel by because they need blockers and you know they're just going to have to sacrifice a receiving option in order to make that happen and that but they're not really seriously entertaining pass catchers and that's when as soon as Troy found that out he was like that's it I'm done that's my interpretation of events. I don't think the Fourier is seriously on the team because frankly, he was never seriously on the team. I understand he's like a legacy. He's of still a, going like, through injuries. Yeah. He's still been hurt. Yes. But, but it's like, what has he ever contributed? Nothing. It, well, like, cause speaking he's of the nepotism offense, you know, like he's been, yeah, it, it has been injury after injury. Um, one of those guys, we, you know, we've, we all have that. On, we've all had that, those guys on the team where you want it to work out, but it, you know, your best ability is availability. Right. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I just would just have to see how this goes. Well, why don't you talk about you know Luis Passarello? Like, like I've never seen him <laughs> catch a ball, but like it seemed like they really, really, really believe in Luis Passarello because, like, I mean, like everybody left, right? You know, yep. uh, that's that's not news to anyone. But like everyone in, the, including like Eric Olson, who's like still a Colorado student, but is yep. not, you know, uh, but like apparently everybody in the tight end room got chased out by Lewis Passarello, but I've never seen him in, in his life catch a ball. Can he catch a ball? No, I don't think so. And in fact, I, he was one of my, my original candidates for people getting processed. I, you know, he was a, he was a reach of a take as a high school. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He's a low two star or low three star. He, has never played. Um, but you know, like Tim, Tim Brewster is an old, old school guy. Um, <laughs> he sure is. He has the mustache to prove it. And yeah, and I think he likes people that show up every day and block hard. And Passarello certainly did that. Um, but like I said, I think by the time that the year rolls around, you're going to see Eli Elverton at that number one spot. The reason I think that is um, he has some juice. He, he played at Iowa, got hurt, I think fell out of love with the game, whatever that means, and, and eventually walked on to CU after doing nothing last year. But he was one of Shador Sanders' best targets at Trinity Christian in Texas when they played together. Ah, so there is the yeah, Peewee connection. Yes. So um, there, there is some high school connection there, obviously some trust. And he knows the Sanders well. They know him well. Um, and I, I think you're going to see him more than anything else. And he might be one of those guys that gets a scholarly. Or maybe he'll pay his own way. I don't know. All right. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Yes. I love this group, too. Uh, everybody's gone. Uh, there's no returning and nobody returning on scholarship. Yes. It was a little confusing because as you mentioned, a, a couple of guys, uh, who were returners played in the spring game, but then they all left after the spring. Yes. Game. And I, and I think, uh, and I don't think any of them were surprises. Th those well, guys who played, like, I think that they intend, like based on my reading of the tea leaves, I think the guys who left were intended. Let me soapbox a sec. I think they would have absolutely kept Montana Lemonius Craig. I know that Shadour Sanders loves Montana Lemonius Craig. I also, you know, 
for as much as people make of, of Dion quote unquote processing players out, that is one that makes total sense to me of new coaching change. You know, they're bringing in their guys. He's not going to play as much as he was. Go get your, you know, you're good enough to go play elsewhere. Go get it. I know that sounds, this is going to sound a little weird given that he had a pretty good spring game, but I actually, given what my understanding of Sean Lewis's offense is, I actually don't think that Montana Lemonis' Craig's skill set works well with Sean Lewis's offense. I, I actually totally understood bringing in the two South Florida kids. Like, you know, that, that it actually made perfect sense to me, but you know, whatever, he's gone. I don't care. I did want to confirm <laughs> one thing, which is uh, EJ Horton. Um, yeah. who I don't think we ever saw, like, I don't think he was available nope. for spring. He was a Marshall transfer, but he's another one of these in outs where he transferred in, but then he's gone. He, so he, yeah, he, it, this was a weird one too. So he committed, never officially transferred from Marshall to Colorado, flipped to West Virginia. And then I believe the day before the next day, CU got a flip from a West Virginia transfer coming in from Baylor and then Jalen Ellis. Right. So, so Ellis is weird. He's his average uh, uh, re- yards per reception is fifty one point three. Yep. <laughs> Be- but he's caught burner. three balls in his. It, I I actually don't think he's a burner. It was funny. I went and pulled up the Baylor film uh, on all of those catches and, and actually a few others. It's just Baylor has a particular pass pattern in which he's the guy who runs this particular deep post um, that like nine times out of 10, the opposing defense just covers it with the free safety and like, it's fine. But like uh, sometimes there's a coverage breakdown. And so he's just standing there in the middle of the field, wide open. And the quarterback is like, okay, here you go, buddy. Um, Yeah. And and so it's like, it's actually kind of difficult to read like what his skill set is because it's, I mean, literally all three of his catches, there's nobody standing around him for 30 yards and he gets 50 yards you know a catch you know because the defense just screwed up you know does that mean that he's actually a terrible receiver no of course not like it's just what can you say about somebody who has three catches you know yeah um and i'm going off of what, what baylor fans have said about that that he's just fast and that was why he was a highly rated recruit is because he was super fast then and i'm not expecting much out of him but yeah he he I guess I would love to see that breakdown of uh, just him being schemed open. Yeah. I like that play. Give me that play. Yeah. Well, it's more like if you run it, like it, they, Baylor's, uh, I had to study. It was weird. Oregon played BYU early in the year. And basically the only quality tape on BYU at that point in the year was their game against Baylor. And so I, had to watch Baylor's film and Baylor's film was painful to watch. I a lot of people like Baylor's offensive coordinator. I don't, I thought their scheme was stupid and part of the reason. That that Grimes? Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. A, a lot like of people like, I know people like Jeff Grimes. They, they, but they like him because he's had good quarterbacks. The, what he is doing is not, intelligent or interesting is one of my like weird one of my weird axes to grind is that like everybody loves jeff grimes except me like i'm the weird i'm the like um one yes. weird jeff grimes hater. my love goes farther back he recruited david bakhtiari and they sold her to see you so mm-hmm. i like him for that all right anyway um i think that we can split the receivers into outside and inside it was fairly clear to me that lewis was doing that at his different stops Mm -hmm. um i think 
Well, let's talk about the outside guys first. I think obviously Xavier Weaver, um, the guy yep. from one of the guys from South Florida has a spot, you know, 53 catches last year. You know, yep. it's, I think it's very obvious. The To me, the interesting question is who the other guy is. Um, there's Jalen Ellis. We've been talking about him, the guy of three catches. Yep. Who's fast uh um and you know has a, there's there's a guy who's really tall um who's like a two-star <laughs> uh javon antonio yes who's playing at the fcs level who yep. had like 64 catches um for whatever fcs school he was at i forget which northwest san antonio i believe yeah something like that but like is sort of the way that they're using him was sort of a possession receiver it was like he would run out and catch flat routes for like to 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 get him a first down like a thousand times it was like yeah anyway yeah. so that's hmm, i'm not sure that sean lewis you know does that but whatever and and then and then there's a bunch of freshmen coming in um mm -hmm. uh, uh uh which like i don't know i don't know if they're going to want to play you know freshmen there's uh, you know uh, well and one of them i'm not even sure about as an outside receiver it's you know adam hopkins who like was a two-way player in high school um and, and is like yeah. barely six foot I, i'm actually not even sure if he, they want to play him as a wide receiver they might want to play him as a cornerback but and like when he was in high school he played an outside receiver but i think it was just because he was just like the most athletically gifted person on his crappy high school team and like a lot of times <laughs> <laughs> they the, those guys move in to play inside receiver when they get to, to college if you know what i mean so like i don't know what do you think about hopkins i, I know uh, i'm not done but like yeah to be fair i don't think his, his high school team was that crappy i think they were like a georgia 5a georgia 5a champion or something i know his um, quarterback sucked that was a big problem but like yeah, oh, go <laughs> he will stay at wide receiver most likely okay um and i think of the freshmen he's probably the most likely to play immediately um i should say like offensive snaps omarion miller is the most exciting but he is raw as hell mm -hmm. so no and i my personal favorite of the bunch is jacob page from tennessee i think jacob page is incredible 6 3 2 10 really fast but that's like skinny as hell like yeah exactly and to me that should, that spells special teams ace right let him yeah. let him burn on special teams and and then see him next year but um hopkins comes in pretty polished he did some really good stuff at uh, All-American camps, which helped boost his ranking a little bit. I don't know if he's going to play inside or outside. I don't know how much he is going to play, but he is the most ready right now, I think, to, to hit the field. And then, in my opinion, the last of the four freshmen who I think will be outside receivers is um, another mid-four star, uh, Jordan Onavoge. Yep. He's like a mid-three uh, mid star I, I also think he red shirts given the, yep. you know, the rest of the options He's in this very room. Rot. I think, and then the real wild card to me is, you know, Travis Hunter, who's, you know, the, the two way player, you know, the Jackson state, you know, transfer the, you know, five-star guy. Um, you know, he was very exciting in the spring game. Certainly. I mean, there, he was playing against the twos, uh, on the, on the defense, you know, how could he not be? Um, and Travis Hunter wasn't available to cover Travis Hunter, uh, yes. is the other issue. Um, uh, I, it is my personal opinion that he is much more valuable to the cornerback room than the wide receiver room. And that they're going to want to play him most snaps, you know, as a cornerback and really only switch him over to wide receiver for some fun stuff. Do you, what's, what's your take on that, Jack? Uh, I think that your opinion differs from this coaching staff's opinion. Okay. I do think he's better at cornerback. I, I think he's also good at, at 
Well, let's see. I don't know. I think he's it's, good at wide receiver, but they I have lots of yeah. good wide receivers. I think, well, first of all, his NFL value was way higher at cornerback. Exactly. Than, I, I think that's going to be the main driver. I think that's why he's still going to play a lot of corner. It's because you can get drafted and make a bunch of money at corner really high. You can get drafted top five at way easier at corner than yeah. you can at wide I mean, out, the NFL is right? um, not interested in its 6-1 outside wide receivers. Like. Yes, but I also think he really likes playing wide receiver, and I think part of the reason he is attached to the hip with Deion Sanders is because he can do both from the guy that did both, right? That's that's the whole pitch, I think. So I think you'll see him more than you might expect at wide receiver, and it's interesting that you say that. I would say the defensive back room is, is deeper than the wide receiver room for, for Colorado. That's too. interesting. Does that mean that you think that they're going to play the true freshman at cornerback? You know what? L- let's talk about cornerback when we talk about cornerback. Who, okay. d- who do you think the other starter is going to be next to Weaver or across from Weaver? Uh, That's hard. Yeah, it's a hard question. I think they really do like Javon Antonio. Based off of what we've seen, he is massive. Um, You know, he's 6'4", but he's also built more like a tight end. Yeah, yeah. They like that physicality. You know, it, Jimmy Horn is going to be exclusively slot, so not yeah, him. Yeah, of course. Um, though he, he might be the best of the group. Um, yeah, I don't, it's it's a hard question to answer. It is, and it I, is tough. I, I think it's going to be a combination of Javon Antonio, Travis Hunter. I know they like Tavares Dawson from Auburn, but also kind of a more of an inside guy in my mind. He's 5'11". There's no way in a Lewis offense he's playing outside. Yeah, and, and he was playing a lot for Auburn at the end of the year as a, as a slot, so I think that's where they're going to keep him. I don't know. Willie Gaines is kind of the same. He's going to be a slot burner in my He's mind. 5'9". There's no yeah, way they're playing yeah, him outside. I, yeah, so I, I think you're going to go for Javon Antonio. This might be – I know that they are looking for late-breaking help here potentially. Um, you know, I, nothing that's, that's – I can – you know what, man? But... That's actually where I was going with this is I, I actually think one of those, you know, like I said, I only count to 77 scholarship spots. I think they're taking another wide receiver here. And I think they're taking another specifically an outside guy because like I actually have a really hard time identifying another sure handed, you know, because I'm uh, like I said, I kind of have reservations about Ellis, whether or not his numbers are for real. I kind of don't think that it would be a smart idea to play Hunter for real as a starter. Like I understand they're probably going to do it a little bit, but like a for real, he's your reliable guy you know starter uh i don't know about antonio because i really am not sure that he's your like run down the sideline burner guy like i like you said he's much more built like a uh, like a tight end like a like a y receiver kind of guy and then the rest of the guys are true freshmen and it's sort of like you know one of them might break out in camp and if you have four of them it's actually not have bad odds that one of them will break out in in fall camp oh the other thing that i should mention here about why i'm interrogating you about this and i I mentioned this briefly a moment ago which is that like none of these guys were available for the spring game it's like they had like two guys uh who were wide receivers who were you know, available in the spring game, and they were all inside receivers. Um, right. So it's like all of this is guesswork. Um, uh, so like, yeah, I, anyway, the, 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 I really, I really think they're probably going to get another portal guy here to try to be the other, like, you know, full-time starting outside wide receiver, because like, I kind of have a hard time finding it among the guys who are currently listed. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, you're right. They were, I know that Shane Hooks was an option early from Jackson State that he got a bunch of interest elsewhere too. Ended up being a weird great thing even as a grad transfer. I think he, huh. Utah and CU couldn't get him in. So 
Um, I think he ended up down in Ole Miss, I believe. Um, but that was that was one of those natural, tall outside receivers that I'm looking at. But um, question marks outside of Xavier Weaver, though I, I do love Xavier Weaver. Um, but he can't carry an offense. I mean, not by himself. Yeah. I mean, they need, and they need to is, is where I'm going with this. Like, like regardless of how the tight end thing, you know, plays out, like this is where you definitely need to. And like, and definitely from what I've watched of Sean Lewis's offense, like he can't put a second short guy, you know, out as the second outside wide receiver. Like I sort of feel like they didn't stock up enough here unless they want to play a true freshman, which like that's going to be, you know, interesting to watch in fall camp if they don't wind up getting another portal guy is um, if any of the true freshman breakout, which is entirely possible. They did get some good looking guys here, but like, yeah, we'll have to see. The inside guys, uh, Jimmy yep. Horn, obviously the other uh, South Florida guy. I think they were yep. holding him out in the spring. He was, uh, I saw him on the sidelines in the spring game, but I think they were holding him out with like a so, thing. And, and he, he went through warm-ups and everything um yeah. but they waited the field was they just did not want to mess with that um but yes he was available and is now available i kind of think the roster balance is a little i'm, I'm not in love with the roster balance here because like they have way more good inside options than they have outside options because like i like jimmy horn i, I like Tavares dawson i like willie Gaines. um i i i liked the true freshman that i saw in the spring game uh, asad wasim yeah Hell, I like the coach's kid that I saw, uh, uh, Caleb Mathis, the, the walk-on, who's the cornerback coach's kid, who like yep. probably should be on scholarship, but like they're probably pulling something a little hinky there. And, and I think there's one more uh, freshman who's like a mid-three-star Isaiah Harge, but like I don't think he comes into the fall. He will, he will likely play defensive back, too. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he, he played both ways at St. Thomas Aquinas, and I think he might move to the DB room. Oh, okay. Thank you for letting me know that. Well, that actually makes a little more sense. Um yeah, actually, that makes a lot more sense given the roster balance. Okay. I mean, they, they're spoiled for choice uh, for inside receiver um, and is also why I think the tight ends are not a thing. You know, they, yep. they like this offense would be so much more potent if they just went four wide with two outside receivers and two inside receivers than if they burned a spot on a tight end is my opinion. Because, I, you know, I, I like these inside guys. I assume you like these inside guys. Yeah, you know, uh, I think 30,000 for a flyover. Jimmy Horn is in the top three of my, or top five of my favorite additions to this team. I love Jimmy Horn. He was pretty good at USF, and USF was similarly 1 in 11 last year, so it's not like they lit the world on fire. But there's a reason that he, he had offers from AM and Penn State and, and picked CU. Very obviously athletically gifted, very quick. Will also return kicks for CU and was very good at that. Was an all American level kick returner at that. And, uh, and, at and he was a sweep man. That was the other thing. They they were able to use him on sweeps, you know, and yeah. fairly effectively. He got 10 yards carry on sweeps, you know. He, he is one of those weird muscle hamster looking bodies where he's super thick, but not that big and just, you know, runs. He's really fast. I love Jimmy Horn. And the, the, the name that we didn't mention that I, I mentioned when we're looking at the running backs is I, I do think you're going to see Dylan Edwards in the slot a little bit. He did that in high school. Mm -hmm. He was sold on that at Kansas State. Kind of a Deuce Vaughn role is what they sold him on before he decommitted there. You, I, you know, I think you're going to see him out there quite a bit too because he's naturally quick and shifty and, and has speed to burn. So, yeah, I think in general, if you're looking at a small, fast guy, they did a way better job of that than, than the other side uh, at wide receiver. Um, also, Tavares Dawson, he's going to play. He played near the end of the last year for Auburn. He was getting some pretty good reviews in spring 
uh, for Auburn, or sorry, winter for Auburn. They like him, and uh, he's another one of those Florida guys. He's super quick, too. Um, so a lot of options inside, not a lot of options outside. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the offensive line. You hate it. I I mean, I don't hate them personally or anything. It's just like, uh, you know, I am just not. I mean, look, just to lay my cards on the table, I uh, I am not a believer of in, you know, portal dominated offensive lines in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think they're and the depth situation is really, really scary. And that means, you know, sort of. Well, b- before I just list their names, I'll just as an overview say, I think they need to find I think they need to get six playable guys, right? You know, five starters and a backup. And I think their pool from which to select those six playable guys is only going to be seven dudes deep, which means that their hit rate is going to be, has to be like 83% or whatever that works out to, which is like, that's too high. Like statistically, like that doesn't, it's never that high. Yeah. And so that probably means at least one dude is going to wind up not being power five good enough. Uh, And that means, you know, problems. And that's why I say they're probably, even though it's suboptimal to put a tight end on the field because they've got good inside wide receivers, I think they're going to need to put a tight end on the field to help them with blocking, which is why they brought it, you know, which is what the, you know, the whole Tim Brewster tight end thing that I was talking about earlier is that like, no, say do you need to block. We have to have people blocking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that that was me laying my cards on the table there and i i will also say i think the most impactful departures came from the offensive line group certainly um graduation too it wasn't just people leaving but yeah. casey roddick i thought was good and that's the reason why florida state picked him up i thought casey roddick was a, a good player but, but you're right about graduation frank phillip and tommy brown just ran out of eligibility yeah yep uh however i i will say that it CU offensive line not being a power five offensive line is not unique to this year and has, yeah, and has generally not. been the case for 10 years. So yeah. And I, I'll, I'll have some reasons for optimism after we go through. Uh, there go was the a year, I think it was 2021 when I thought like, Oh, they're sort of turning the corner. And then the offensive line coach left with, uh, with Mel Tucker, right? Like that's what happened. Yeah. Chris Kapilovich did a really good yeah. job. Uh, and now he's up at Florida state. Or Michigan State. Yeah, it was just like, well, you know, can't win for losing. So, yeah, the offensive line, basically, I won't, you know, capitulate all of it. But, like, yeah, they all left. Like, basically, uh, everybody except for two guys who started last year. Uh, well, only three guys on scholarship return. Uh, that probably be the easier way to put it. Two of whom were... I guess, starting on the line last year, although they only played about half of all available snaps, you know, because the line was super messed up between like injuries and experimentation because like the offensive line coach, the replacement for Kapilovich uh, Rodriguez, I think, uh, got like fired halfway through the year because he was so terrible. So anyway, like uh, those two guys were uh, Gerard Kristen Lichtenhan and Van Wells. Uh, Lichtenhan was the left tackle. Wells was like he was playing left guard at points and center at points. Um, Mm And the third um, returning uh, scholarship player is Carter Edwards. He was a 2022 like mid three star um, who redshirted last year. They also have like three walk-ons who return who were 2021 guys. Um, I don't think they're relevant. And that's it for returners. Um, they brought in 10 new guys, actually 11, um, but one of them left. Uh, yep. 
uh, use of Mooger Bill. He was a uh, Mooger Bill was like a four star from Florida who came in, played with the twos in the spring game. He's a left guard and then left after the spring game. We're sort of like, you know, that sucks. Yep. Like that's, you know, like I, I don't. You know, like I said, uh, Bill O'Boyle uh, uh, came in with uh, uh, Sean Lewis from Kent State, and like I, you know, e- either either he was, you know, the, the the guy that he had playing left guard with the ones was a uh, uh, um, a guy who played at Jackson State, Tyler Brown, um, who's like a two star, and, and like either O'Boyle is right that Brown is better than Mooger Bill, and like hey, you know, if that's the case, then that's the case. And and that means that Mooger Bill's, a, you know, a four-star bust, which happens. But in which case, like, why'd you bring Mooger Bill in in the first place? Or he's wrong about it and Sanders is playing favorites about his Jackson State guy. You know, either way, it, like, doesn't really reflect, you know, real well that the dude bounced. And, like, in a position where, like, you need more dudes than 13 dudes, you know? Like, uh, that's, you know, that's why I'm sort of, like, saying you should be panicking about this offensive line. like that's bad anyway the 10 dudes who they brought in well the four of them were available for the spring game yeah well five including mooger bill but he's not there now the four who are still there are savion washington who's a right tackle he was with lewis at kent state Mm -hmm. tyler brown who's the jackson state guy who i just mentioned he was playing left guard jack wilty who's a juco uh, who came in he was playing right guard with the ones um and uh, and then Isaiah Jada, uh, who is a, a Juco as well, he was playing a left tackle with the twos. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Christian Lichtenhan was playing left tackle with the ones. And then Van Wells, the other returner, um, was playing a center with the ones. Have I got all that right? Uh, yes, so far. There's a few okay. other transfers coming in. but I'm I know there are. Uh, well, let me just name the transfers. But before I do that, I I, I want to draw a line here. I don't think the the rest of the guy the the other six guys who come in. It is my opinion these guys aren't in the pool with maybe one exception aren't in the pool for 2023 because I looked up all their weights at their previous schools and I don't think they're at playable weight yet. They're like their average, all of them are under 290 pounds. Like their average weight is 280 pounds and a couple of them are just too young. Um, so anyway, I'm, let me name them all. It's uh, David Connor, um, the mid-three star from Florida, who's a redshirt freshman. Um, Reggie Young, the Liberty transfer, who's a mid-three star. Uh, he started playing in 2018. I think he's a grad student, but he's 270 pounds. Landon Beebe, the FCS guy, who's a grad student, you know, low three mm-hmm. star. Jack Bailey, he's another Kent State guy, you know, two star. Kareem Harden, who's a mid-three star Juco. He might actually be in the mix. He's my one exception. And then the true freshman, Hank Zelinskis, who's a low three star. I don't really think he's in the mix because he's a true freshman. Did I miss anybody? No, that's all correct right now. Yep. Okay. Uh, For the reason that I just said, I don't think any of those guys are in the mix. Um, I I just, I think that uh, they're too young uh, and too undersized. I I think that the mix is going to be, well, basically the five guys that I saw with the ones in the spring game, which would be, you know, Christian Lichtenhan, Tyler Brown, Van Wells, Jack Wilty, and Savion Washington, with the possible exception of maybe Kareem Harden, like the Juco competing for a job, or maybe Jack Bailey, because he was the Kent State guy, and maybe, you know, uh, you know, O'Boyle loves him. What do you think about that, Jack? I think for better or for worse, you are probably incorrect on on who's going to play 
next year and then being too small. Yeah. So if I had to guess, Jack Bailey will start next year for CU at right guard. Who do you think? Are you so he, you think he displaces uh, uh, Wilty, the JUCO I was seeing yep. in the spring game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 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 Bailey and Washington started the last two years together at uh-huh. Kent State with O'Boyle and Lewis. I think just with how quickly everything has to come together, that is helpful. Bailey's on campus. He looks large. I don't think he looks small, though 280 is small, but you know, he wears it well at least if that is his weight. I think Landon Beebe will play a decent amount. FCS All-American at Missouri State. Started four years at Missouri State. He's old and he'll he'll basically play everywhere. I, I think he'll be like your go-to gadget backup where he, he, can, he can play all five spots, but he'll likely stay on the inside. I think Isaiah Jada will probably shift in to left guard and will play a decent amount at left guard. I think Kareem Harden will absolutely play at guard at some point, and they're also working on on his teammate at at uh, community college, Isaiah Walker, who was a Purdue commit until about two weeks ago. Um, hmm. So I would imagine Isaiah Walker will be a huge target for CU for, for them to bring in and play right away. I think they will have to, um, and for, for for better or for worse, and. You get significantly older when you add BB and Bailey into the mix. Those are both guys who played a lot of football. Um, and there's a weird thing of mitigating transfer portal offensive linemen. To me, if, if you're targeting duos like they seem to have, like Washington and Bailey have played next to each other for a long time. Isaiah Walker and Harden played next to each other for the last two years. Um, so that adds some, but it's still not. It's going to be a quite a, for sure. That's quite a counting a chicken before it's hatched. Oh you know? well, like counting I said, a, it's hard. It's hard to be worse than 131st, right? Um, so I think I think no. I mean, like you haven't gotten Walker yet. <laughs> no, well, no, but um, yeah, you're right. That is counting it a chicken before it hatches. I've been shocked at Deion Sanders' ability to close people who step on campus. It's a pretty high rate. We'll see if that continues, but um, a lot of people still want him, and everyone likes good offensive linemen, so that makes it harder. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think that you're going to see some people that you are counting out as as in, and that might be a bad sign. It might be a very bad sign, but Mm -hmm. I think they will play. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, because like I said, you know, the weights that I'm pulling from are the previous institutions. So like, we'll, you know, they'll get remeasured in the fall. So maybe I'll have to change my tune about them being, you know, too small to play the power five level when that time comes. But, you know, as I'm looking at them right now, you know, the the line that I drew was the line that I drew because it's sort of like, I I look at a room that's got 13 scholarship guys in it. That's too, that's too few. And, you know, of the guys who looked appropriately sized, you know, I only saw seven of them. And look, man, of the 13, four of them are 2022 or 2023 guys who are too young. And one of those is Van Wells, who's probably going to be the starting center, like who was who who was forced, you know, into a starting role as a true freshman last they year. They love Van Wells. I do know that. Uh, I mean, that you know, that's cool. He's 290. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's it, it, the other thing about this offense too is they move really fast, really fast. So part of that. I mean, how's that going to work with six ten Christian Lichtenhan and six eight Savian Washington? That's the other thing that I sort of worry about. Is like, I mean, Washington did that for the last four years, though, right? Yeah, I, I mean, he true. was just there, so graded out at least by Pro Football Focus as a top twenty five percent offensive lineman in the country doing it. So I, you know, I think he's solid. Tank, I have no clue how he's going to do that. I thought quick speed was his biggest issue. So, you know, he had, he still has a starting job. I think it'll still be his biggest issue and it'll be exacerbated by how fast it goes, but we'll see. 
I mean, this is honestly like this is I mean, other than the possibility of Shadur Sanders getting injured, which I guess the offensive line is an, a, a part of that, that is yeah. tied to that question, sadly. Yeah, I mean, offensive lines, my big like, oh, like, oh, my God thing for this offense, because like if it doesn't, I am worried about depth you know here because i'm worried about how many guys are truly playable i'm i'm worried about them sort of gelling together because i really am not a believer so far that so far the data has been very unconvincing that portal based offensive lines are effective at all lots of teams have convinced or lots of fan bases convinced themselves that like oh no my offense is so fast and so awesome that like offensive line blocking doesn't matter hey look at what chip kelly did at oregon like it was so fast that the offensive line didn't matter and it's like dude, I watched Chip Kelly for six years at Oregon. I am here to tell you the offensive line and its quality was a hundred thousand percent essential to it's, you know, like Steve Greatwood being the best offensive line coach, you know, in, in, in 20 years, you know, was a hundred percent essential to it. Like anybody who writes off offensive line performance to an up-tempo offense, like, no, you have to be better at offensive line, um, you know, in an up-tempo offense, because those guys get heart attacks you know, when you have to snap the ball, you know, 120 times a game, or you need to be able to rotate them. And like, there's one thing I'm pretty sure about with the depth situation that Colorado is looking like. It is not going to be a rotation. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, this is what would worry me. I am, I am a little bit less worried and that is probably fandom glasses, which is, I'm okay saying that, but I really like Jack Bailey. I really like Savion Washington. I really like Isaiah Jada, and I like Van Wells. And if those are four of your five starting offensive linemen, I'm okay with that. Tank, we'll see. Left tackle happens to be kind of important, so that might be an issue. But I like Do you those think starters. That Jada might push Christian Lichtenhan out of the left tackle spot. I think they're cross training him, and he's going to play a decent amount of guard. Um, mm-hmm. And I also I, I did forget to mention as well that they are looking at Isaiah one of Isaiah Jada's teammates at Snow College to bring in as well an offensive line. Oh, so similar to that duos thing that I was talking about. Do you know but, do you know his name? Oh, man, I did. Um so many names come in and out. Um they were looking at the tight end I know who then eventually committed to Utah, which why wouldn't you if you're a tight end? Hmm. But it is the uh, only type of player that Andy Ludwig knows how to use. <laughs> hey, I watched Dalton Kincaid go for about a bajillion yards against CU. That's sometimes that's all you need. Did that against everybody. Except for Oregon. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll also say to your point, I think a lot of people say like, well, we'll mitigate it by fast play. And like you said, I don't think that's how that works a lot of the time. I think you like, you need a better offensive line. And I think like you said, um, sometimes Chip Kelly gets underappreciated for how well he stocks those guys up. Even at UCLA, I think they did a, did a good job, especially last year, getting old guys that can sprint. And that's hard. So they did sprint. Like I did have a lot of problems with the way that UCLA's offensive line worked, but like their athleticism was not a complaint. In fact, one dude like uh, uh, Tony Omafi, who is a converted defensive lineman, who's just like a total tub of goo. Like when he yeah. first start, you know, switched over, got drafted like almost entirely because that guy was so right. fast. Like, yeah, like, yes, up-tempo offenses need to, to, to have well-trained athletic offensive linemen. Cause like they're yeah. not, they're not optional in, in, in a, in a tempo offense. So, you know, what we will, a lot is resting on Bill O'Boyle's ability to coach up that stuff. Um, we're hoping that obviously his five years before with Sean Lewis makes it seamless in the offense, hoping that 
his years before that as a head coach makes it easier um, in that offense and that he's, he's just a really good coach, uh, teacher, but um, you know, I'm saying a lot of hope in that. Yeah, right. um, not a lot of, I think. Um, and yeah, you know, um, it will get tested pretty immediately. <laughs> so we will find out in the first month uh, how well that works. All right, let's switch over and talk about the defense. Much more fun if we're going defensive line. This one worked out better. So, the, I, well, it's interesting schematically how exactly the defensive line is going to work because, so as we said at the top, Charles Kelly uh, uh, was brought in to run the defense. Um, Kelly's had an interesting career, very long career. Um, he was Florida state's defensive coordinator for four years from 2014 to 2017. He was actually with them the year before in uh, 13, um, uh, during their national title run, but he wasn't the play caller at the time. Uh, the defense that they ran from 14 to 17 was, um, a four to five, um, with a, you know, a pretty traditional, um, you know, you know, two, two defensive tackles, two defensive ends, you yep. know, structure, uh, uh, you know, it actually reminded me. It was it was funny because in 2014 I had to study that line twice. Michigan State, you know, uh, in 2014, and then you know Florida State, um, and and then Oregon shredded them both. Um, and uh, uh, but then um, you know Jimbo Fisher leaves for Texas A and M. Uh, Kelly winds up floating around for a couple different spots, and then he lands at Alabama, where he's been for the last forty years as the safeties coach, and then uh -huh. listed as like associate defensive coordinator. Pete Golding has been the defensive coordinator, as far as I can tell from talking to Alabama people. That like he wasn't you know involved in play calling; he was just sort of like absorbing their yeah. defensive structure. And so it was really I was really interested to see like what. What exactly the defensive scheme is going to be when I you know, and of course it's been very difficult to get schematic discussion out of Colorado uh, media because you know they're all interested in other things uh, right now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, well, I finally turn on the spring game because you know you got to get it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, it's not what he was running at Florida State. It's the mint front which is essentially it's a three down front. It's a nose tackle, uh, a four eye and a five tech. And then opposite the five tech is a Jack OLB who is, you know, will initially line up on the line, but will sometimes, you know, drop out in coverage. Um, yep. So uh, they wound up having, you know, because many of the people who were playing in the spring game were holdovers from the last team who then left after the spring game, they wound up having to like move a couple of people around, but then I don't care about them because they left. But it is crazy how few people were playing in the spring game, I believe, will eventually be starters on the defensive line. Um, a lot like, of work after that happened. The, the you know the line that they kept saying in the spring game over and over is the guy you know the guys you see today is not what you're going to see tomorrow and like for a lot of points on the offense I didn't think that was true but then when I was watching on the defense I was like oh yeah it's definitely true <laughs> like there's no way I'm seeing these guys <laughs> you know um, yep. uh, especially the defensive front um, so the, I I think. Let me ask you before we get into players, let me ask you about schematics. Do you think that mint for I know that Charles Kelly has said we want to be multiple because like that's one that's what everyone does. Coordinator that's says what everyone does. We're gonna be an aggressive defense. I'm like the last guy who said right. we're gonna be an aggressive defense. <laughs> I don't 
like to the extent that I've seen people write, oh, they're going to switch between a three down front and a four down front because that's what multiple means. Like, I don't buy that. Like, I think that they're basically going to go with what he picked up at Alabama for the last four years and just run a mint front, which is yep. the, the roles involved are going to be a three down front, which you need to, for our purposes, for identifying personnel, we need to identify a nose and two big ends who effectively play either over or inside the tackle not outside the tackle like defensive ends do in a four down front um and then in you know an olb so when we talk about edges we need to be able to to, first of all we need to talk about tackles and, and and you know who are like a nose and a four eye and second when we talk about edges we need to talk about a five tech and we need to talk about an olb that's my understanding all right, great. So. And I should also say, as part of that, you'll see uh, the original defensive tackles coach is a guy named Patrick Hill um, mm-hmm. from Louisiana State, LSU. Um, uh, and then he left to go coach the Vikings line. Right. Um, and then they hired Sanceri from Bama, who remade it more in Bama, even more in Bama's image. So, right, that's um, my understanding. Yes. Yep. There's... There is one guy who I named Nick Williams, who's like the one guy who doesn't come from uh, Jackson State, Florida State, or Kent State. What's Nick Williams' story? He is, I think, the best coaching hire because it's semi-orthodox, but it is incredible. So Nick Williams played at Georgia, is from Bainbridge, Georgia. Uh, immediately became went on to the recruiting staff at Georgia when Kirby Smart really got that thing going. And he's one of those names that we all kind of know in our program of like on-campus guy, recruits love him, does a good job, but he's not on, on, on field coaching staff, right? And he was DBs for Georgia at the time. Goes hmm. to A&M for the last two years as a same thing on the recruiting staff, helping lead that recruiting staff, particularly on the defensive line. We've all seen how A&M's defensive line has recruited the last two years pretty good. Um, not all him, of course, but he is mentioned once again as an up-and-coming guy, you know, really good with the kids, really good recruiter. So Deion Sanders gives him his first on-field coaching chance here, and that, that's he, – so he still has some of that SEC bona fides that he was looking for in the defensive staff, and he knows some of the players, but – Definitely recruiter first, and he has done an incredible job recruiting transfer class and and next year's 2024 class. That's really interesting. And I thought it was really, you know, interesting that like, yeah, he was like the one guy who didn't come off of like the three different staffs that, you know, they were pulling guys from. Um, All right. Let's start talking about. Well, let's start with the nose. The The guy I was seeing with the ones in the spring game was, I think, a transfer from Dartmouth, of all places, uh, Shane Cox. Yep. A little undersized to be a nose at like 275, but I think he was, you know, holding his own okay. I would not. I would say he's actually not going to be a nose moving forward, but yes. Yeah, yeah that's where, well, uh, you read my mind. That's where I was going with this. Like, I, I think they were just sort of putting him in there because, like, there wasn't a better option. There are some bigger guys, I think, coming coming in they got uh chaz wallace from old dominion yep they got they, they got a uh, bishop thomas from florida state although he's a redshirt freshman so hmm that, i mean that's interesting yep and they got a uh, amari mcneil um from tennessee those would be yep. my candidates for nose tackle how do you think that'll plays out so the starter will likely be Leonard Payne at nose tackle. Really? Because he was playing four eye in the spring game. And when he was at Fresno, which I had to study Fresno a lot for 
don't get me started how much I've been studying Fresno. <laughs> uh, Payne, like I actually totally had him pegged for a four eye because that was much more his like closer to his position at Fresno. Uh, why do you say that? It, it might be. Uh, or I guess I don't know. I, I would say size wise, they want him to be there, um, and maybe it just ends up that he's a four eye, but. In terms of frame, I think he's very natural. I would say he and Amari McNeil are natural fits for that closer nose spot. Sincerely, to straight out tell you, like the thing that the only thing holding back pain is effort. So that was the thing about is that like that dude, like they had to pull him out. Like he would play for two snaps and then they'd pull him. Like yep. he just did not have the stamina to stay on the field. Yeah. So and yeah. So I would say. Um, your rotation there is going to be Payne, Wallace, McNeil, and then Bishop Thomas. Um, and uh, it, it might be Wallace and McNeil at, at, the, at most on, on those, but I think they want Leonard Payne to be that interior guy. I don't know if he will be that guy. They might just give up and put him back on, on that four-eye, but um, I think they want Cokes and Payne out there at the same time. And then the other guys that I think are big enough to play, you know, sort of the uh, I would have pegged as the four I guys. Um, uh, well, they got another Juco, Zach Blackwood. And then I think J.J. Hawkins, the Ole Miss. They love J.J. Hawkins. Well, it's interesting because he, he hasn't played that much. I think he only, you know, got in like four games with Ole Miss. Um, Correct. You know, that's another I had to watch all of Ole Miss's defense um, for a couple of years because Oregon got an Ole Miss transfer. Um, and I hate that defense. Oh, my God. I hate that defense so much because they, <laughs> they they play a dime on every snap. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, I had to grade all of them. But anyway, like and so like they're there are a couple of in, inside guys have to totally work overtime because they're the only guys with any kind of beef, you know, who play at all for yep. that defensive structure. Um, and like, like he couldn't, I mean, he couldn't take it, you know, but then, but then like, it's sort, sort of overload, you know, cause, cause they're on a dime, like every single snap, like, so yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. And he was, he was running with their ones with elements in spring, mm-hmm. at least rotating between ones and twos. We seem in Colorado, what that means in all minutes. Also, has a bunch of transfers in and out. So, like, how yeah. much can you really take from that? I don't know. But I do know that the staff likes Hawkins a lot, and he, he will be one of those inside-out pieces. And, and Blackwood has gained 30 pounds in the last, I don't know, six months or so um, at, near Juco. So they love that he bulked up. He had a Jackson State offer a year ago, so the staff is aware of him. And, and yeah. The other guy that's going to be that spot is Chance Main, I think. Oh, really? Uh, I had him with the on the other side, but yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Maine was interesting because I think he hit the portal, but then decided to come back. He graduated and left. Okay, and and thought he was done with eligibility, and you know, who's to say how this happened? But in eight weeks, he gained about twenty five pounds. I don't, mm. you know, crazy. Yeah, because um, the but, last time I saw him, he was at two fifty, which is why I had him started yeah. for a five tech. But you say he's up to like two seventy five. Yeah, now? he's two seventy five, two eighty. They're looking at him as interior pass rusher. Nick okay. Williams got back in touch with him and saying, hey, man, I think you still have eligibility left. Did you want to apply for it? He ended up applying for it, visited with the new staff, committed on the spot, and, and will be in that. that he, he leveled up in size. Okay. All right. So then the other end position. Actually, let me ask you before I start talking about guys. There's one guy who's another one where I'm not sure if he's actually still on the roster, and that's uh, Joshka Gustav. He is. I was expecting him to move on as well, but somehow he has made it. Well, the reason why I say that is, number one, I didn't see him in the spring game. And number two, they gave his jersey number away because he's 33. But yeah. um, 
but they had a different dude wearing 33. They had uh, one of the defensive backs, um, Jeremy Mack, who normally wears number three. They had him wearing 33. Um, and so I was like, what's going on here? Uh, so I haven't seen Gustav at all. He doesn't you know, show up in practice reports at all. Like, and you likely won't. <laughs> all right. So like, is he... See, like, same question as Foria is just like is it's on the team. Yeah, I don't know. All right, but is he like not really in the running though? Um, he will not. I don't know. He won't play. Uh, okay. or I should say, God, I hope he doesn't play. Um, I would imagine that CU. Has I mean, upgraded. I should hope not. A dude who like gray shirted from the 2018 class and who's never played like any football versus like this roster. Like, yeah, I should hope. Yeah, not. I, I, I think CU has upgraded with five of these guys that are six of these guys, depending on where you put them. Um, I mean, compared to all of Gustav, Gustav. certainly, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, right. I don't think it would. I mean, it was just a housekeeping question. So almost all of the guys who are playing uh, either the five tech or the Jacko will be in the spring game are gone now. So there's sort of a lot yep. of guesswork, but we did see two of them who I think, well, one of them is Jordan Dominic, um, who's he the guy play. who came in from Arkansas and, and previously Georgia tech. Yeah. I actually think he's pretty, uh, I would actually pencil him in as the starter. I, 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 yes. I like him a lot. He's um, very good. I think, the, but yes, as the Jacko will be the other one that we saw who's still on is a, one of the Jackson state guys, Jeremiah Brown, who is fairly productive at, at Jackson state. But, uh, you know, I just honestly think they, they also got more talented guys. Like, uh, he has moved inside now, by the way, oh, really? so they, they agree with you. Yeah. He's moved inside. So when you say inside, what do you mean? He's inside linebacker now. He's, he's really oh, inside, inside linebacker. linebacker? Okay, that's yeah. interesting. All right, good to know. Thank you. So, well, they definitely need more help at inside linebacker, but we're, we'll talk about that in a sec. So other guys, uh, Derek McClendon, they got from uh, Florida State, you know, borderline yes. four-star. He's been playing for a him. while. Um I would actually uh, bet on him for being, uh, you know, probably my pick for, for your five-tech. Yeah, they got uh, D.V. Harris from Old Dominion, like another guy yep. from Old Dominion who knew. They got Josh Taj- from Minnesota. So he's in Minnesota first and then Old Dominion and then, yeah, mm. yeah. Weird stuff. Anyways, go ahead. They got Taj Alston um, from West Virginia, who's interesting. Like, I watched a little bit of his film. He's listed as 255, but he doesn't look 255. It's weird. He looks kind of light. They got Savelle Smalls from Washington, who sucks. I mean, he sucks out loud, dude. Like, don't, <laughs> don't play him. Like, that's you not, know not funny. <laughs> Is I actually agree with you, and I've had pretty big fights with friends of mine and, and other um, media members saying, like, oh, what a great get, five-star Savelle Smalls. And, and uh, we could talk about this a little bit, but I that's my least favorite type of transfer is five-star who's done shit, um, who then gets hyped because <laughs> he's a five-star. And I just say, like, I don't know, at some point, what you do on the field has to matter, and Savelle Smalls has done nothing on the field, so I'm not excited for I mean, Smalls. like. You know, whether you're uh, under or overperforming, you know, your talent rating, uh, whatever, that's a, just a number. Like, I, I just, just watch his tape. Like, he can't set the edge. Like, he's 100% a liability in in, in run support. I, and I like, agree with you. Yeah. And, and he produces nothing in the pass rush. And it's like, yeah, no, it's because he's terrible. Like, he's, just, he's one of the thousands of Kingston County All-Stars who, you know, play in a terrible high school football league, get overrated, and, you know, Washington takes them and they do nothing. There's like Washington had something like half a dozen of them last year and they all left like because yeah it always happens I mean so so, let's be honest there is some bias here on your end but I do Mm -hmm. largely agree with you that Smalls um 
I don't. I'm, I say I agree with you that he. I don't know if sucks that a lot. If I would use those terms, but I think he's a non-factor then, and I think he will continue to be a non-factor. To be fair, the bias, if he was really good, the bias would just lead us to be like, and congrats, you took this great player ZTF, from right? We're so yeah, almost. Yeah. If you got ZTF, I would say ZTF is pretty good. <laughs> like, I, I would say yeah. that his 2020 <laughs> stats are a little inflated because of its COVID, but, like, ZTF has numbers, like... No, I, I agree with you on Smalls. And and like I said, I think to your point of, of uh, how Colorado's been covered, I think a lot of people made bones about that, just being like, oh, big name, look, they got another one, this is the Louis Luggage. And in my head, like, if we're doing those top five transfers, I love Shane Cokes. I love Shane Cokes. Um, but he's a Dartmouth FCS transfer, right? Like, that's mm. different. It, it's not as exciting as some saying five stars, well, Smalls, former All-American in high school, like, but one of them is going to be much more impactful than the other, and that's just not how the the current. That's not how they're talking about Colorado yet. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, from Mizzou, they got Arden Walker. Yep. Um, uh, they got. I already mentioned Jeremiah Brown, uh, who we saw yep. uh, uh, playing yep. uh, Jack will be with the twos in the spring game. They got uh, a couple of a couple of guys from the FCF Franks who I think are non scholarship, but like you might be factors. They they you know had some decent stats as FCS players. Uh, Kyrie Mans and Tristan Merowitz. Oh, is Mans on scholarship? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, is Merowitz? Is not. No. Okay. He's not. All right. And then the true freshman is Taji McCoy, but he yep. doesn't arrive until the fall, but he's a high three star. I don't know. I actually think he might play a little bit. I really like McCoy. Um, Oklahoma's all-time sack leader in the state. Both in-state schools are after him at the end, which is always a good sign to me. Um, and he's pretty filled out already. He's not tall, um, which is you know an issue, a tweener, which is why he commits to a place like Colorado pre-prime anyways. But I do think he will play a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of options here and there's been a lot of production. I, I think they'll probably be pretty good uh, at the OLB spot. Um, I they think they're going to be pretty deep at the OLB spot, frankly, like Dominic's pretty good um, yeah. and the options behind him are pretty good. I worry a little bit about size at the five tech spot because I think these guys basically top out at 250 pounds. Yeah, I would want and like some of them are smaller than that, you know, like um a lot of them are smaller than that, frankly. Uh, you know, that that would sort of be my concern is like setting the edge on the other side because like the, the five techs really got to be able to do that. And like, um, but that's about it in terms of my concerns for the defensive line. Like, I actually think they did a pretty good job putting together, you know, this group in terms of like assembling talent anyway. Um, you know, we'll have to see how they, you know, how, how they play. You know, it's sort of amazing to see this many like transfers coming from all over the place. It's sort of like the hot dog you know defense you know all these disparate yeah. cast off parts you know uh uh but you know that's the american way man you know like <laughs> nipple so nip offense hot dog defense yes and I, and I like this let's blow this up even more Deion sanders is keeping the american dream alive yeah you do not <laughs> you do not question the hot dog the, the hot dog asks of you what do you <laughs> What do you, what flavor do you contribute to the national knockwurst? Let's talk about the inside linebackers. Yeah, I, before we move on really quick, uh, let me just tell you, like, like I, like you agree, I, I agree with you. I think this is a spot, and we kind of, I haven't talked about this with all the other position groups, but you know, I think in general, athleticism and speed has drastically increased compared to last year's team. Oh, um, and this is this is a, a huge part of that, like. Dominic is a solid SEC starter at worst, and that is a huge upgrade at, at rush end, and there's plenty of guys behind him. 
what I would say if we stick with what we both think will that that up front will look like, um, Dominic will start, and I have just like you have McClendon on on the other defensive end spot. What do you want to call that? The more uh, edge setting spot. Um, I forgot the you know the, the terminology much better than I do. I would just call him the five tech. Yeah. Okay, and then and then inside you, you're gonna have a, what I would say is a bigger body. It some might be someone like Payne, might be someone like Amari McNeil. And then on the other side of the inside, you'll have the, what I would call the more, I, I once again, don't know your terminology. You have much better terminology than I do. Um, but Cokes will be that other, that other spot. So I would say, you know, something like McClendon, Amari McNeil, Shane Cokes, and Dominic is your, your up front. And that is such a drastic improvement over what CU had. Uh, last year, if, if that looks like that. Well, they were playing a different, you know, structure in the front. Like the, you know, I, frankly, I had always kind of liked the interior defensive line that, um, that Colorado had, you know, I, you know, I, I always liked Sammy, Scott Johnson. Yeah. I always liked Terrence Lang, Jalen Sammy, you know, I even like Naeem Rodman. I think he, I think Naeem Rodman wound up at uh, Washington state, right? In Sammy's at Michigan State, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I never really thought the interior of the line was the problem, but like you're de- and so it's sort of like I'm not sure how like maybe these the 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 new interior guys will be better, but like uh, like I'm not sure that that they give them that much of an edge. Where I definitely no pun intended. Where I do think nice. they're getting an edge um, is uh, the other you know at the edges like like. Because definitely, you know, compared to guys like Guy Thomas and Devin Grant and and Jamar Montgomery, like, yeah, man, like these guys just look way better. They just look way faster. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and I, and they'll, be, they'll be asked to do less. Like, Sammy was asked to do so much every snap. I think on the inside, I, they'll be asked to do less, which which will make him look a little better by comparison. But, yeah, sorry. Anyways, let's go, let's go to inside linebacker. One note, though, before we move on, just just housekeeping, um, which is that Taylor Upshaw was one of the guys that I was seeing yep. play five tech. He was the one of the he was a Michigan guy who transferred in, who then transferred yep. out after the spring game, which is one of those like they they couldn't possibly have been expecting or desiring that, which is weird. And, and frankly, didn't in the way that like I sort of understood priority being like, oh, I'm, I'm not getting what I wanted here. Like I didn't understand Mooger Bill leaving. I didn't understand Upshaw leaving any insight there. Yeah. So he, he gave a good interview with Arizona, which is where he's at now. So he gave a good interview with Jason Shearer talking about that, where the, the position he thought he was going to play at, at CU is not what they said he was going to play the most at. So I think he wanted to do a little bit more path rushing. And I think they're asking to do a little more um, space stuffing. And luckily, he used his one time, and then he grad transferred after he got the credits in the spring semester. So he did, he can play right away, right? Um, which is great. And I I think he's a good player. I think anyone who gets snaps in Michigan's defensive line would help CU. And I think anyone who gets snaps in Michigan's defensive line will help Arizona. I think he's not a guy that they necessarily wanted to lose, but same thing. Like that's what a transfer should be. Is when when you think you should be doing something and the coaches have a different plan for you, like you should transfer out. And the warp speed of it is super off-putting in a way, right? Where they bring him in and then in a, in a semester, they, they he moves out. Like that's weird and that doesn't happen a lot. But um, I think the underlying reasons make sense. And I think he's a good get for Arizona too. All right. At last, the inside linebackers. The, the only guy that they retained from last year was Marvin Hamm. Um, yep. who had sort of been 
Uh, he's been around since 2019. He's sort of been a career backup. That was Mel Tucker's first recruiting win at Colorado. There's a fun really? fact. And then, like, a lot of the guys that we were seeing in the spring game, were, you know, all departed. So it was sort of, you know, uh, difficult to, to, to figure out here. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, they took three true freshmen, which is sort of violating uh, Deion Sanders' 40-40-20 rule. I don't think they're going to play the true freshman. Uh, the, th- the true freshman, just to get them out of the way, are Morgan Pearson, Victory Johnson, and Kofi Ter- Taylor Barracks. Do I have that right? Yes. Taylor Barracks will retro this year. Absolutely. Um, I would bet that uh, Johnson is probably a special teams player, and Pearson will also play a little bit of what do you want to call Starbuck, Jack, Nickel, what do you want to call that spot? Like, is a, like in garbage time just to get his feet yep. wet or – yeah, so he was a safety linebacker mix recruit anyways. Signed early, people came after him. Another good player from Oklahoma. So, yes. And and as you might expect, Deion Sanders, I think, cares a little bit less than other coaches about preserving eligibility. Well, sure. I mean, if you're a good player, uh, yeah, yeah uh, you know. There, you're either good and you're gone in three years, uh, or you're not, and you should be transferring out in three years. You know, like the, you know, redshirt shirting is for players who aren't going to get good until their redshirt senior years. So, like, yeah, you know, guys who's like a high three star, yeah, I get it. My question about Pearson is, he was listed on my my student paper printout as being available for the spring game, but then I don't believe I saw him. Um, do you know what was going on there? Uh, I don't, I don't think he was necessarily injured, but same thing is I don't think they felt the need to show him off for other schools or see what they had with him. I don't think okay. he'll, he'll play much anyways. Yeah. All right. So in that case there, I believe, unless they get somebody through the portal, an additional guy through the portal, uh, by fall camp, which actually I kind of think they might want to because in terms of, of like playable guys, I think this is this room might be too small. There is only four guys. It's Marvin Ham and then three portal guys. Brendan Gant, who came in from Florida State, mm-hmm. but who was a defensive back for Florida State. Levanta Bentley, who is uh, from Clemson. And mm-hmm. Demui Kennedy, who comes in from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you mentioned Jeremiah Brown, who switched over. Shifted in, yep. Uh, so I guess I was wrong about that. That's, you know, five guys. Uh, did I miss anybody? Yeah, Gant is, is still not on campus, I believe. So I don't know what that holdout is, if there is a holdout, but something to look at there. Right. The the only one, yeah, the only guys that I saw in the spring game were were Ham and Bentley. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, like I said, Ham's been at Colorado for like four years and has been a career backup, but like... I think you could fairly describe both Bentley at Clemson and Gant at uh, at Florida State in the same way. You know, uh, 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 Bentley had, you know, Bentley's been there for four for four years in 2022 at Clemson. He had five linebackers who were ahead of him. Yep. Gant in 2022 had four safeties ahead of him at, at Florida State. You know, obviously somebody's got to be able to get going to be named the starter here, Colorado. So somebody's finally going to be his starter. Um, and yeah. then there's Demoy Kennedy. You know, the other thing is we said it, they're all blue chips, right? Like uh, Gant was a mid four star, Bentley was a low th- uh, uh, four star, uh, Kennedy was a, almost a five star. 
Mm-hmm. But then Kennedy's really weird because like he was a 2020 recruit. Uh, he was a special teamer and like a part-time running back for his first two seasons in 2020 yes. and 2021. And then he was like a backup who barely saw the field. And then he got injured in week five, I think against uh, Arkansas. I actually had to watch that game for another reason. And I watched him get injured. It wasn't fun. And then he missed the rest of the season, but it's not like he was, a you know, had become a starter in his third year or anything. Like I kind of don't think much of this linebacker room. Um, um, do you think I'm being a jerk? What do you think? Uh, I think that you need to rely on, which is always horrible, you need to re- or hard, you need to rely on transfers stepping up into a more prominent role and succeeding in that for this to look good. And that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, right? So I think they love Vontae Bentley. I know he's a signal call for the, for the defense and, and one of the two like leaders as an older guy. I know Clemson likes Monte Bentley. He never played that much, but apparently great locker room guy, you know, all academic dude. I know that the staff loves DeMore Kennedy and his speed. He's extremely fast for a linebacker. Knows Charles I mean, Kelly Charles Kelly, well. yeah, brought him with him from Alabama. You know, even though he basically wasn't playing at all for Alabama, Kelly was still like, well, I see you in practice every day, so I think you're good. That's something. He will start. Kennedy will start if oh, okay. all goes well. And he, he's just now starting to get healthy. But, you know, he's, he's what you want at a middle linebacker, a modern one, 6'3", 220, super fast. Just really bad injury luck. That was a gnarly injury. Never became what they wanted him to at Alabama. But the bet is for all those guys, like you mentioned, that spot starter blue chip, spot player blue chip at a successful school is better than starter at Colorado, right? And I think for now, that's probably a winning bet. I would bet that Bentley and and – Kennedy are a better duo than what you had last year in the middle, but um, I mean, it would be hard know. not to be. I really didn't, like <laughs> you know, ever since they, you know, when, as soon as they lost uh, uh, Nate Landman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, I, yeah. No, I just really, I mean, they were just absolute 100% liabilities in coverage. Like they all just had like, you know, lead, lead feet, like, um, you know, Smith and Hurtado were just, you know, total jags. Yeah, no, I just really didn't like this, you know, linebacker core at all. And so like, yeah, I don't have any difficulty believing that these are more talented guys, just like to the extent that, that like, that you know career backups for four years who can't like break into a room is sort of like where's this like go-getter attitude that that coach prime keeps telling me about you know like yeah and it, that might be a talent issue it might be a mentality issue from everything we've heard like i said bentley has been like he's like a what you want in a locker room someone like brennan gant play was like i guess the special team star at florida state and just couldn't get the weight on you know the worst case of this is actually who's you had the last few years right with robert barnes from oklahoma who yeah same thing blue chipper could never really break through got all the chances in the world at colorado and ended up being horrible um for a lot of it so like you know that could happen you're hoping you the whole bet of this room is that it won't and if they, if they bet wrong then it's going to well, be just as bad as it was last year. <laughs> that's why I said, you know, like, th- that's why I started out by saying, like, I think they just need more dudes here because, like, I-, I like the way that you're constructing it. It's the same way that I thought about it, too, which is that, like, yeah, you're making bets here. You're making bets that, like, you know, one of these dudes is going to step out from the shadow. You know, that the, they they were just like, because, look, man, they were four stars at FSU and Clemson and Alabama. These are, like, top 10 recruiting programs every single year, right? And, like, somebody's going to step out from the shadow like if you have three of those like i I would bet that one of them is going to step out of the shadow but you need two of them 
you know, for this right. defensive system. And in fact, you probably needed a third one, you know, for, for, for depth purposes. Right. And you didn't get enough guys, you know, for that to be a solid bet. You need to go get like one, maybe two more who are like this in order for this to be a solid bet, you know, to, that, that you have enough playable dude. And that's why I said like, why the, you know, if you bring in, you know, six new guys, why are three of them true freshmen instead of like, you know, five portal guys, you know, that, 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 that's why I started, you know, framing this way. And why i said like you know maybe they're not done on the portal here you know what i mean i actually think they might be for this position hmm. which is iffy but um also i don't know how many straight middle linebackers you will see out there i think with how this is constructed we can talk about this as we move towards the secondary too i think a lot of times you might see one what you would call pure linebacker out there with a mixture of dime package, so five straight secondaries, secondary players, and then that rover, buck, whatever you want to call that spot, um, being the other one. So Brendan Gant did that for Florida State, would be an option there. There's some other players we haven't talked about yet that would be an option there. So it's possible that that's how they're doing that too. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if I see anybody in the defensive back room who's big enough to move down. Well, let's talk about the corners. Yeah. No, let's talk about no, let's talk about the defensive backs. There's one retention here, Trevor Woods. I you, love you know. Trevor Woods so yeah, much. We, I love him so Trevor. much. You know, I've seen him play with free, uh, you know, the free safety with the ones. I, I, I would guess he's got the job. Like I, I, I didn't see anybody who's sort of an obvious. We can talk well, about it. I guess I I guess I'll put it this way in the spring game I didn't see anybody who was available who was obviously like oh this guy's yeah. way better. Yeah, um, yeah. Now they brought in a couple of guys who may come in in the fall. Um you know my it, it, my guess would be either Vito Tisdale or Travis J, um, who uh, from Kentucky and Florida State, respectively. But here's the deal: both of those guys didn't play in 2022. Tisdale, because he had an ACL, and then he was, uh, I think, dismissed from the team for some reason. And then Travis J, who was academically in ineligible in 2022 and 2019 as well. Uh, I guess you know when when uh, when Colorado's athletic director said that they were changing up academic standards for transfers That's right. he wasn't lying. That's um, right, baby. <laughs> Do I have that right that those guys are the the free safety uh, competition? I have not um, split it out into free safety, strong safety. Uh, if we're looking at overall safety and and uh, yes, free safety, Travis J would be last if we're looking at non-freshman scholarship players. Travis J is last in in terms of in line for playing time. And Vito Tisdale is one of those guys that I was mentioning that would play up in the box, potentially. He did that a lot at Kentucky. He was doing that in the spring before he got dismissed. Mark Stoops was a big fan of him doing that, and he was famous for being a very hard hitter at, at Kentucky. There is a particular video that is him just destroying a guy. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's, he's a crazy man out there, um, potentially. Um, but I also have not done the work of trying to split out who's free and strong. I would say the two free safety, if you're, if you're calling it that, options would be would be Trevor Woods and Cam Silverman Craig. Those would be my top two. Hmm. Okay. Who I was seeing at nickel was Miles Slusher. I guess that makes sense. He's got a lot of short area quickness, um, but he's also a big guy. Yeah, I, I figured he can run the alley. Yep. 
uh, Cameron Simmel and Craig, uh, who comes in from Jackson State, was seeing him, you know, at Boundary, like that, you know, that that one made sense to me, too. I mean, yes. frankly, who they had playing with the ones made a lot of sense to me, um, which was, you know, Slusher at Nickel, Silman Craig at, at, at Boundary, Woods at Field. I actually didn't really think that needed a lot of improvement. I actually I agree with you. Yeah. Continue. You know, Tisdale and Jay are interesting. You know, Shiloh Sanders comes in, uh, who was at Jackson State in South Carolina before that. Um, I actually, I think that Shiloh Sanders was a mid-three-star for a reason. I watched his film at South Carolina. Uh, I don't think he's that good. Do you, Am I speaking heretically here? Like, wh- what do you think? I like him the least out of the safety room, but... Let's all be honest with ourselves. Shiloh Sanders will play a lot this year. He just will. What position do you um, think he would play? He would play back safety. That's what he was more comfortable with at Jackson State before towards ACL. See, this would be hilarious if he wound up displacing Mr. Football Trevor Woods, who's like the most serious, camera shy, doesn't yeah. want to give interviews, you know, doesn't, you know, dude, if like, you know, the Nepo kid comes in to take his job away. I think he'll take snaps away, uh, and I think you're going to see that exactly. Yeah, and I love you know I love Trevor Woods, and I love Samuel Craig actually too. I think Samuel Craig is is solid, but I think Shiloh Sanders will play a lot of football for CU this year. It's his last year, and I think that he will do that in the in the back half. He won't be up at, near the the line of scrimmage. So I think you'll see people move around. I think Slusher also would like to play some safety too. He'll probably be a they're cross training a lot of these guys. And and then we haven't mentioned is, is Roderick Ward, who I love, who will kind of play everywhere too. Yeah, he's an FCS guy, but not Jackson State. Um, Southern Utah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he was a bunch of different people wanted him near the end. He will play up near the line of scrimmage as much as possible. He was a really good nickel for them. He'll do some of that. Um, and he also was a boundary corner at times too. I don't think he'll play boundary corner, but he could. Um, so he'll be in that nickel room as well. Where do you think the true freshman Milner Jones winds up? He'll be back half. I don't know if he'll play at all this year, but he'll he'll be more of a classic roaming free safety. If they this room has to, let's say there's a crisis at linebacker, and the way they are going to solve it is they got to loan out a, a defensive back to the linebacker room. Who do you think it would be? Uh, uh probably uh, Vito Tizzle or Trevor Woods would be my guess. Hmm, that's interesting. Maybe Slusher, but I don't think he wants to. So, yeah. All right, corners. I got to figure Travis Hunter's got a job. Yep. You know, that one's pretty easy. The other one is a little more difficult because it depends on what you, well, first of all, who was available for the spring was a little tricky. Um, that, you know, uh, Tavion Beasley was available. He was an FCS guy, but then he left after the spring game. He was, you know, who knows what that was about. Two of the guys who I would, you know, peg up pretty high as uh, available uh, were not available in the spring game. Marion Cooper, who was the Florida State transfer, who was like, I think one of their starters, although he's sort of inconsistent for him. And then Cormani McLean, who's, you know, the super talented true freshman. He wasn't enrolled yet, you know, beats me. They also got uh, Jacquez Robinson from Alabama, although he like barely played for Alabama. And the guy who I've seen play with the ones, you know, just sort of for lack of anybody else, frankly, uh, was Kindred Breedlove, um, who, pl- who, who was with that Mississippi defense um, that I had to watch 
uh, <laughs> or Taishim Johnson's film. Um, but he like he barely played for them. Um, so it's like they have a lot of options here, but it feels like not a lot of spots. It feels like they're really sort of spoiled for choice here. And, and like, they've got like too many dudes, you know? Uh, you know, I would hope and expect that any team coached by Deion Sanders has too many guys at cornerback. It was fun to watch that magic trick for a while where just any high level cornerback kind of felt like Deion Sanders could be like, and I'll take that one. And he started coming to see you. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, the, the, a lot of options that are all kind of at the same level once you get past the Travis Hunter level, which is pretty high. A lot of CU's transfers in this nebulous piece. Like you said, they didn't play for their teams, but if you read some of the spring stuff for like Jacquez Robinson and Bree Love, they were running with the ones, running with the twos. They were number three cornerback there. You know, what does that mean? Same thing. I don't know, but it, it certainly didn't feel like they were being pushed down the depth chart when they left. At the same time, why do you leave Alabama unless you're being pushed down the depth chart? You know, I don't know. Kelly was obviously easily recruiter. That there's something there. I would bet Jacquez Robinson is going to be that third corner, with Breed Love being the fourth corner. Um, the two number one corners being Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean. So you don't think that Cooper plays? I think Cooper will play, but like you said, not a lot of not a lot of spots and sport for choice here. So Maybe what it is 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 everyone shifts up at the beginning of the year as Cormani McLean gets bigger and, and learns the defense and, and he comes in sporadically. I don't know. Um, but I, I would put Breedlove and Robinson over Cooper right now. So my experience, the reason you said earlier, and then I said, no, I don't want to talk about this right now. You said earlier, I think the, the cornerback room is more loaded than the wide receiver room. And yeah. from a talent perspective – that's certainly true. I mean, the average talent rating in the cornerback room is higher than the average talent rating in the wide receiver room. My experience and like, you know, my experience may differ from the philosophy of Deion Sanders. And if I'm disagreeing with the greatest cornerback of all time, then I should probably shut up and sit down. Um, but <laughs> my experience uh, with cornerbacks has been experience trumps talent like experienced talent trumps everything. But if you have a tie between this dude is more experienced and this dude is inexperienced, but he's more talented that you should play the more experienced dude and have the, the talented dude sort of play backup and, and get some experience, you know? Uh, and that's uh -huh. sort of my, my problem with the cornerback room um, right now. Like I, if, if I were making this call, I would make it Hunter and Cooper because those are the guys who are starters and I would have McLean and, you know, some of the other guys, you know, uh, you know, basically McLean. Oh, the, I should just for the sake of completeness, they got another true freshman who's Carter Stoudemire, who's like a high ish three star. Um, yeah, uh, I would have McLean and Stoudemire redshirt and maybe just play some backup reps, you know, in garbage time. I would have Robinson and Breedlove be my backups, you know, my my serious backups, like have them ro rotate. And I would have Hunter and Cooper be my real starters because I prefer experience in the cornerback room. Like talented, like super fast corners who run super fast the wrong way are not <laughs> is, is my experience. Now, I could 100% see uh 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 Deion Sanders 
like saying, nope, Cormani McLean, you are super fast. And so you are, and I love you and uh, I see myself in you. And so therefore you are my starter. And he runs super fast the wrong way. And USC in week four just annihilates him. Like, Which will happen regardless, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Am I making sense to you at all? So I, I guess what I would say on I two hours into this recording is, I think there are programs, potentially like Oregon, who have that luxury, who can just get dudes and say, we're going to redshirt you, five-star dude, because we can. That's not CU, even with Deion Sanders. And the other side of that is there has literally never been a more talented duo on paper, if you go by high school rankings, than Cormani McClain and Travis Hunter. They are two of the top 10 all-time rated cornerbacks, right, if you go by 247. Now, both young. But there is probably a level of talent where you have to play them just to keep your recruiting promises if you want. And you probably should play them, let them work through it because they're going to be gone in three years anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think McLean will play this year and redshirting is not an option. Hmm. It's just like, you know, it's not like Cooper's not a four star like he was. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I I also think, I guess to me, I'm valuing the very, very high end of, of talent. Like, there is an argument to be made that Travis Hunter is the best on paper cornerback prospect in the last 20 years, if not ever. Um, you can make that argument if you want. Um, you have to play him, obviously. I mean, no I don't have a problem with Hunter. He was a starter last year. Like, Yeah, but McLean is, is in that same ballpark of you are a top 10 cornerback prospect since 247 has been doing ratings. Like, I, there To me, that is a level of Duke Cooper is a good player, and there are a lot of programs that have good cornerback prospects. Um, but Kwame McLean has a chance to be an elite, you know, top 10 pick cornerback prospect. And I, I say that's worth going for it. Hmm. I mean, he can't get drafted for three years, so. <laughs> no, but anymore. there's a reason that he he's, he's rated as he is, right? Um, like I, talent at some point matters. And maybe this is, this is quite literally what we saw. I'm saying play freshman Christian Gonzalez and Oregon is saying get transfer Christian Gonzalez. <laughs> well, I mean, Maybe I guess it would be, I, I guess the buffs would like to get a year out of him, you know, before he transfers. Um, exactly. Prime to, to exactly. Yeah, you see, you're seeing it. You're seeing the, the vision before he gets Charles Lester too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, Jack, as always, Pleasure talking with you, especially at length. Uh, it was very nice to get all everything you know about this team because we needed it because there was so much just turnover and excitement and and Dionness with the whole situation. So thanks a lot for coming back on the show, Jack. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. You know, it like I said, very few. It's people don't try to bite off this like roster stuff because it's so hard. Um, so that's why it took two hours, but uh, super fun. <laughs> Absolutely. And once you get listeners, you got to go over to the Ralphie Report uh, on Twitter as well at Ralphie Report. And then please follow our man at Jack Barsh, B A R S C H, on Twitter as well. And Hithla Day, we, we have done it. We have gone through every single Pac 12 roster except for the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> so that will be coming up next. And I'm very excited about that. Uh, always exciting. And Jack, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I, I, I look forward to it. And uh, it was difficult waiting for all this time, you know, because we, we, we made Colorado the last for a reason, but I always enjoy our conversations very much. Um, and uh, fortunately, Oregon and Colorado play this year, so we get to do it again. 
Yeah, first conference game, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah that's sad, that September is loaded, and Oregon's a part of that. Listeners, we'll see you all next week. Quack, quack, and uh, go Buffs.